Psychology in Seattle. So here we are, session eight of the Dungeons and Dragons therapy episode situation scenario. <laughs> Berto, mm-hmm. how do you feel about it? I am pumped. So this is the furthering of the adventures of Grolo and Cruddy. Welcome to the podcast. This is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Hanna. I'm a therapist and a professor. My name is Humberto Casagna, and I play a character named Groot. No, just kidding. I play, play Grolo the Cruel. So Adam and Adam, please introduce yourselves. Yeah. I'm Adam Johns. Uh, I am the um, venerable dungeon master for this campaign, for this ragtag group of fun-loving folks. Fun-loving folks. Yeah, I'm also the executive director for Game to Grow, uh, a nonprofit dedicated to using games of all kinds for therapeutic, educational, and community growth. My name is Adam Davis, also known as the Other Adam. Uh, I'm also the other executive director and the other founder of Game to Grow, and I'm playing a tiefling bard by the name of Shoosh. So the main reason for this series of Dungeons & Dragons therapy is to demonstrate that one can use Dungeons & Dragons in therapy, but also for education purposes, for community building purposes. It is a fun game that a lot of young people and older people love to play, so it just begins with that, that it's fun and interesting and draws people in. But it's this platform from which if you are the dungeon master, the leader, so to speak, who knows how to marry both the game and the mechanics of the game and the style of the game and the gameplay with some sort of therapeutic or community building or self-esteem or educational goal, you can really get a lot done because it, again, is not something that kids or other people don't want to do. You know, when we try to teach social skills in in schools, we will call in all the awkward boys into a room and say, let's talk about social skills. And then you have a PowerPoint and maybe you have a role play or something. You have a workbook. And this might be appealing on some level. It might even work on some level. But to actually say, hey, let's play a game that's really fun and then – uh, they either already know the game or they find that they really do like the game. And then through that process, and you're not manipulating the kids. You say this is a Dungeons & Dragons game for various different you know, therapeutic or educational purposes. It's not like the kids are being tricked. They know, but that's how much they love to play the game. And through the game, they experientially learn how to interact with other people, how to regulate their emotions, how to listen to other people, how to bond, how to have self-esteem, how to uh, you know, get a sense that they actually matter in the world and that other people care about them. Not only in the imaginary world, because you know, your hero could save the day in the imaginary world and you could actually feel like, man, I saved the day. I mean, it really does feel like you saved the day when you when a good story is told. But you also are in a real world sitting around a table with other human beings and you could be the hero in that moment as well. So uh, in the imaginary and in the real world, a lot of really wonderful things can happen. Some of my most enjoyable and most memorable memories of my life involve playing Dungeons and Dragons or other sorts of games. Um, even though, and when I try to remember every video game I've ever played or every hamburger I've eaten 
or every class that I've been to, I have a harder time remembering things. Um, anything you want to add, Adams? I think it's uh, interesting to hear you talk about that as if, as if this is something that's like new and cutting edge because it's, it's as much as like we love to think that we're like on the cutting edge of this brand new frontier. The, what, we're, what we're doing, what you're describing, where we're like sitting around a circle and communicating through stories is something that is like just – so original to the human experience like sitting around like we are about to do to play this game is like we're you remember stories because that's how we were that's how we evolved we evolved to remember stories and like learn things through narrative so as as a like a an educational or therapeutic tool it makes total sense evolutionarily to like learn through stories and connect with the characters and think about the the way that that character goes through that story as a way to uh, take from the story opportunities to change how we want to live in in a, in a way that we've been doing for thousands of years. We're returning to the fireside. Exactly. So and Adam and I are like the shamans that are <laughs> guiding that process around. High the fire. on mushrooms. <laughs> I mean, sort so, sort of sort of like shamans. social skills. <laughs> we're high social we're skills. High By mushrooms, I mean social skills. Therapeutic yes. application. <laughs> <laughs> Having said that, and I appreciate that, uh, in my world of therapy and in the world of education, we come from a traditional space where there were things that you did traditionally, and in therapy, it's you sit in an office and there's a a clinician and a client, and you talk. And although that's a wonderful thing that that's all I do with my clients now because I work with adults and couples and that lends itself to that, it's interesting that even when you're working with an 18-year-old or a 16-year-old or a 14-year-old who doesn't really isn't really interested in sitting down and talking, that we still sort of force them into that. Or in an educational system, when for some people sitting in a chair is a wonderful way to learn, and for others, as we know, other ways of learning are more effective. So uh, although we can say this is not original in that way, it is absolutely at least extremely rare that this sort of thinking is involved in education and in therapy, and it needs to be more. I'm not saying, obviously, it needs to replace talk therapy, but think about all the kids that are sitting in session right now just going, God, let me out of this place. Or, okay, fine, we'll play Uno again, (laughs) you know? And how, how, you know, a percentage of those kids would be just dying to go to therapy and benefit from it so much more if it was a game like Dungeons and Dragons, you know? Yeah, a lot of our, our participants have actually been in therapy for a whole lot of their lives or in like a social skills training program where they're sat down with a PowerPoint and taught, here's here's what social skills are, here's what you're supposed to do, here's how to make eye contact, and here's how to shake hands. And then they have no desire to actually do that. Or uh, my favorite thing is that they learn how to do all these skills and then realize that nobody actually does things that way. Mm. Like that's the, the the first thing that happens after the session is over is that the facilitator doesn't make eye contact. <laughs> you know, like the people don't make eye contact like that in, in casual social life. So um, understanding things in context and having something that's like socially rewarding in a way that kids want to come back. That's one of the things that has been really uh, fantastic to see in the groups. And we just opened our seventh group. 
Um, so we're going to serve up to 56 kids a week wow. uh, using Dungeons and Dragons based interventions. Um, and what we've seen so wonderfully, the reason why we can open up a seventh group is because of a waiting list, because kids want to come back again and again and again. All of a sudden, kids are excited to go to a social group where a lot of these kids have been socially isolated their entire lives. They don't want to go uh, to another social skills group where they don't want to go to school. They don't want to go do those kinds of things. But all of a sudden now there's a social event and they're get, they are excited to go be with their peers, which is pretty transformative. Yeah. So just a few plugs before we get into the game, which is my favorite part is if you want to learn more, go to game to go, game, game to grow.org game to gore. That sounds neat too. Game, game to grow. That's dot, Halloween. Dot org. <laughs> and you can le- just learn more. If you're interested in having a kid be in it and you're in the Pacific Northwest, then it's a wonderful place to go because you could get on that waiting list. And we have plans to actually expand it even more so. It's just a matter of finding the right facilitators and training them. And also, if you're interested, if, if you're a clinician and you're interested in this kind of work, you can get trained by Adam and Adam for a fee, uh, perhaps. But, you know, it, it's all worth it, we think. And you go to gametogrow.org for that. You can also buy the starter kit for using Dungeons & Dragons in therapy or in education called criticalcore.org. That's the website that you go to to sign up on the Kickstarter so that when we release the product, it will be mailed to you. Also, if you're a clinician and you want to work or volunteer for game to grow contact us through the website. Our long-term plan is to have lots of satellite offices around the world where people either work for us or they're franchised with us or they're certified game-to-grow therapy model practitioners. And we want, there to, we want this to be all out there. And it's not just Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, there are people who use Minecraft in therapy. We've had an episode on that with, with Johnny. And there are people who use um, just any kind of game that's fun for, for kids to play. Uh, so it, those are the different things. All right. So let's get into it. Adam Johns, our Dungeon Master. Perfect. Um, well, true to all of, our, uh, all of our D&D games, we always want to do a check-in question. So our check-in question today uh, for all of you is sort of a lighter check-in question to uh, keep the mood light because today might get a little bit more serious. And so I want to start off a little bit lighter before we get into some more heavy, heavy, serious stuff. Uh, we'll see kind of the direction that, that you choose as as players. Uh, but my check-in question for you is um, what is a mundane object in your everyday life that you would like to upgrade? Um, and then the same kind of question for your character. So this is really about um, uh, something that you use on a regular basis. Um, it's not so much breaking the laws of physics or, or adding something magical into your life. It's more um, – it'd be super nice if I could um, upgrade my doorbell to have a, a camera on it. I just haven't done that or I haven't spent the money on it, and, and here's the value I would have in that. Mm. Um, so part of what I'm, I'm really looking for in this, in this checking question is also the why – that's the part that I'm, I'm most interested in. Um, and when we get to your character, obviously you live in a magical world, so upgrading an item to uh, in a magical way makes a lot of sense. Uh, but um, I'm not as interested, again, in, in you having like a, um, a world-destroying sort of doom uh, <laughs> so that you can destroy all the, all the opponents ahead of you, but more in smaller <clears throat> upgrades. What are the things that, that you think your character would appreciate as a, as a small improvement to their life or to, their, to the objects that they use in their life? Hmm. Who wants to start us off? I'll start us off. 
I would like a new car stereo. Oh, nice. Just really just would love a new car stereo. Better my, sounding or something? Yeah. My, so my car was an, a rental car before I bought it. Oh, and okay. I think they just put in the worst car stereo they possibly could have in there. <laughs> um, and I've had that car since 2006. And oh, I, it geez. served me well. They had um, cars back then? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wow. upgraded from a horse uh, oh, nice. to, to this one. It was cutting edge. Um, and uh, I bought, recently borrowed my wife's car, and it has an amazing car stereo. And I was just had forgotten. And hers was her grandmother's <laughs> car, and her grandmother had a <laughs> car stereo. Uh, and so I was like rolling around town with the windows down because it's nice and shallow right now. And I was just loving listening to music with the windows down, like, really mm. loud. And if you do that in my car, it's, <laughs> it sounds terrible. So <laughs> wow, I would love to have it. That sounds like stereo. a useful upgrade. It's just a <laughs> mundane object. I just was thinking about that driving over here today. Um, and Shush uh, similarly loves music, and um, we just performed that concert. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think he, he would like his violin to be upgraded so that when he hits that really high note, like the crescendo, it will just like uh, like shoot out a, a blast of wind to like make everybody's hair blast back. Yeah, well, like uh, give a, uh, like a, ta- a tactile <laughs> sensation yeah. to go yeah. along with the... a four dimensional. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What is that M- musical? Remember, remember in Disney they had like the four D or five D experience or something. Yeah, they, I think that's like a thing they're still doing. Yeah, yeah. well, now yeah. they have it in theaters and stuff. Yeah, but yeah. They, at first, they came out as a there was, it was a like Michael a Michael Jackson, Jackson thing. Yeah. yeah, then it became an alien encounter thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Do you remember that? It was like like a commercial for some stereo or or television set where the person sitting in the <laughs> yes. chair and then the, the wind is coming out. That's Dolby wasn't it? I think it was probably Dolby Max. Do- no, Dolby. or it could have been Kenmore. I don't. Oh, but maybe. Or do you T- guys are no, TDX. You're familiar no. with the thing that I'm talking about, though. No, no, TDK. TDK. I'm pretty okay. I'm almost positive it was TDK uh, cassettes. Okay, but I could be wrong. <laughs> so okay. the, the audience listening to this, you can totally look this up right now. I'm gonna look it up. I'm gonna look us, it up. Send us yep. corrections. Yep. <laughs> All right, that we will hear about we'll, later. We'll update it. Errata in the next. <laughs> Where he's like sitting there, and then he's like this. Yeah, and then, <laughs> yeah that's what I want. Back. Oh, Maxell tape. Maxell. Maxell. Okay. Yeah, the high note on his violin will do the Maxell tape effect yeah nice Berto, what about you okay my everyday object i would like to upgrade is i recently cracked my phone screen my <laughs> iphone 10 phone screen which is yeah. really sad and i want to upgrade it to a screen that's not cracked but in the process i want a phone that i know this is going to sound insane to you guys but i wish there was a way to plug in headphones <laughs> while I charge it at the same time. Oh, while you charge like it. Yeah, I know it's crazy, like a port for headphones. Who, who would put who that would put on that a phone? On a... Uh, but, you know, these people in uh, Cupertino must know better than, than the Why don't you use uh, Bluetooth headphones? Uh, oh, you know, I did for a bit. And then I got this thing where um, my balance got off. Like I would, And I have no idea if it was related, but then I did some research. And then there's like inconclusive data about the effect of inner inner ear uh bluetooth waves on your you know little s- sensitive nerve endings there so i don't know yeah. i don't know why not other than i'm not and so they don't, don't have know. splitter usb things well so they have they have wireless chargers i can put the phone on a little wireless charger yeah and then i can plug my headphones in right yeah. which is fine but then i can't move that thing around the house easily i just want to grab my little charger and I think they have a thing that it plugs the lightning cable in, then it has. That's to. great. I need to get a splitter then. I need to upgrade my phone to have not a cracked window or uh, <laughs> screen 
and a splitter for being able to listen and charge at the same time. What does Grolo want? <laughs> Grolo recently realized that uh, he would really be happier if his mall didn't go flying off randomly every now and then. And then since he had some maybe uh, unscripted success in launching his mall at someone's skull, he imagines this sort of what he calls a a bungee contraption <laughs> where he could attach his the handle of the mall to like this kind of rope or, 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 or substance that could be stretchy such that when he if he accidentally or on purpose lets go of his mall the thing would return back to him uh thor style <laughs> i like this idea a tremendous amount actually <laughs> and of course i'm sure nothing could go wrong right <laughs> i just, I just uh, you, you just added more things that could go wrong I would, for me, in my, I had something in my mind in my real life. What did I want? I, I saw it, I think, in my field of vision. A better podcasting partner. No. <laughs> you want to upgrade Berta to a robot. <laughs> I can't remember what it was. Mm. Oh, man. Pencils that have lead? Maybe a better pan. I feel like my cooking pan is a little beaten up. That can't be it, though. You know what? This is you're living the good life. If you are at the point where you're like, "Yep, yeah, I, I think I got it. It's pretty I good. Think we got this." Life, <laughs> well, I am kind of that way. Yeah, uh, I, I do like what I have. People, you know, when Christmas would come around, people were like, "What do you want for Christmas?" And I'm like, uh-huh. "Uh, I kind of feel like I have everything already. Yeah. I don't know." Um, you're just so appreciative of what you right. already. I mean, I, what you already have. don't you have a bigger monitor than me? I do, yes. So maybe a bigger uh, uh, monitor, even though this is gigantic. Yeah, but I do know they get bigger. There so. you go. So upgrade your monitor. Okay. Um, in D and D world, I uh, would want Thrain would want either some relic from his god Moradin, uh, either maybe a. An, an iron chip off of the anvil of the gods or a very special hammer. And of course, marrying those two would be impossible. You couldn't possibly have the, the, <laughs> the, the hammer of Moradin, but something along those lines, you know, that the hammers and uh, clerics of Moradin are go literally hand in hand. And so uh, having something special like that would, would even if it was just oh. a small little replica would would like be, a, like a paperweight version <laughs> would, would really be uh, quite enjoyable for him. That's that's what he's looking for. I wonder if if uh, Thrain got a hammer of Morden that would bungee return back to his hands. Grola <laughs> would be really really jealous. Of really that. jealous. <laughs> yeah. um, well, I guess in my life, the thing that I would want to upgrade, um, I would love. I would actually love to upgrade my computer to be a better gaming computer. Hmm. Um, I actually don't get very much time to play computer games these days. Um, I have a, I have a daughter and I work a tremendous amount. Um, but the times where I do have time to play a computer game, I would love for it to just run whatever game I want to play at max graphics and, and at max capability. And I don't have to worry about any, any of those pieces and I can, I can just install it and then be ready and sit down and play it when I'm, when I'm ready to do so. So that makes sense. Um, and I would also love to, have it last for a little while. <laughs> I, le- I want. I want. You know, it doesn't need to be like a perpetually upgraded computer. I just want it like a top of the line computer now, so that the next right. two years it still plays all the games that I want to play. <laughs> um, 
So I think that'd be pretty great. For Nicholas, I think the thing that he actually would want is something that would help him be um, more quiet, more able to sort of disappear into the into the shadows. Mm. Um, I think Nicholas doesn't like the limelight nearly as much as, as like Shush does. Um, and he is not as comfortable being being a hero uh, mm. as as all the rest of the the sort of party members um and so oftentimes when there's recognition or when there's moments where um where he needs to be up in front of people he he's not comfortable in that so for him it would be much more about um i want to be he he wants to be able to disappear like huh. an invisibility cloak yeah an invisibility <laughs> cloak or or silent shoes or something like that mm. and i think that that would be something that he would or a uh, closet a closet, <laughs> a wardrobe that he just brings along with him, and he can he can hide in that whenever. Like, what's that? The wardrobe in Harry Potter where the they have the Bogart in there, <laughs> and then when you open it, the thing that you fear the most comes out. Yeah, we could carry one of those around, and then tell everyone that the thing that you fear the most will come out, but it's really just uh, it's, Nicholas. It's just everyone <laughs> happens to fear uh, a little guy in a guar outfit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Is it wrong for a D&D nerd to make fun of a Harry Potter nerd? <laughs> <laughs> it's all sorts of something. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a tipping point, for sure. <laughs> um, with that, um, why don't we get a recap of our game so that we can jump in? Kirk, would you give us a recap? Yeah. Uh, so... We went to Pahiha to investigate some evil things that are happening there with the god Groomsh, who's the orc evil god and the mortal enemy of – an immortal em- enemy of Moradin, which is the god of the dwarves, who is my patron god. We have been investigating, and we have found out that in the town, Lord Blancmere – we, we don't know this – we we know it as players that Lord Blancmere has been taken over by Grimsh. So Grimsh is actually walking around in the body of a human named Lord Blancmere. And but we do know that he has been influencing the entire town to start worshiping this odd version of Grimsh, which is this nicer version of Grimsh. Mm-hmm. And the entire town has accepted Grimsh as their uh, you know unifying lord and. They is it have, like Grimsh Light, or is it New Grimsh? Yeah, <laughs> like New Jesus, like in uh, in the um, what's his face movie, uh, Silent Bob. <laughs> oh yeah, Buddy, Buddy Buddy Christ, Buddy Christ, <laughs> with his fingers out. Hey you, Buddy Grimsh. Yeah, it's exactly that. And so, uh, meanwhile, behind the scenes, the real Grumshites are uh, trying to bring Grumsh back by using all these uh, evil rituals by, that involve killing innocent people. And so we know that uh, they're trying to bring Grumsh back, and that would be a terrible thing, because if Grumsh were to be, you know, actually enter our world, lots of people would die. And so we came upon one of the rituals, and we saved Umberto's... Um, Crush. Who's Umberto? Uh, Grolo. I, I get you two mixed up. You're so similar. Uh, Grolo's uh, crush, Cruddy, and saved her. And uh, uh, Grolo spent the night with her. Uh, we faded to black. They were after cooking he, pies. And, um, and then, quote-unquote, cooking lee pies. And then, <laughs> and then uh, we 
I got a I, I prayed to my God with one of my spells and and my God gave me a vision of the marshes outside of town as somewhere that we need to go. And also far, far away in a mountain somewhere, I saw a vision of a hammer, I believe. And so we are about to head off into the marshes because that's where the trail of clues is leading us to perhaps uncover the heart of the Grumpsch conspiracy. I think that's I think that's uh, exactly right. Okay. Marshes, marshes, marshes. Yeah, the marshes are so popular um, mm-hmm. over the gens, jans, jan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so you guys uh, are, I guess, pack, packing up. You spend the night. Um, mm-hmm. The Shush and Nicholas and Thrain, all all three of you, spend the night um, with the. Um, Montel Williams, with the, the guy that you found, um, oh, whose name I'm I'm currently. Um, is this the cat level. guy? Yeah. yeah, yeah, cat guy, kitty guy. That's right. I wrote down his name and then I. Can you name an NPC? Pentel. Ju- can you name an e- M- uh, NPC Justin? <laughs> Why do you need an NPC named Justin? Well, we just have a fan of the D and D podcast. Oh yes. Yeah. Oh okay. Okay. And um, um, yeah. Justin the NPC. He's, he's approached me at Antioch, and so and he says, oh, he that's an great. Did he make a request? No, but oh, that's even be better. That'd be fun. So, what's the name of our uh, cat person again? Uh, Pentel. Pentel, yeah. like Pentel and Jellinter. Uh, <laughs> I, I guess so. It's more like a portmanteau of Pen and Teller. Okay. Um, so Pentel uh, has been very gracious to have the three of you stay with him. He's not a great host, um, but he is um, at least appreciative of, of you being there, and he's, he's been happy to give you space uh, to sleep on his one bed in his guest room covered in cat hair. Um, so the three of you spend the night there. Um, Grolo, you spend the night somewhere else. Mm-hmm. In the morning, uh, when you wake up uh, and you are headed off on this on this mission, I'm do the three of you go to Cruddy's? You know where Cruddy lives because you saw the the address. Do the three of you go to Cruddy's? I'm assuming we, we would have yes to pick up Grolo. Yeah, plan about this. Yeah, because yeah. you have no idea what time I might or might not show up. <laughs> That's totally true. Um, and for all you know, I I was forced to sleep out on the street. You don't know what's going on, so. Checking in on Grolo's. Well, wasn't Shush listening and cacaing oh, outside? I think we, well, I think we were both. Yeah. You, the window <laughs> Cyrano de Borgiac. We saw it fade to black. Okay. Or we heard. So there's a little bit of you trauma. Can, you can't that, see everything from the window. <laughs> we're going to have to deal with traumatized uh, party members. playing romantic music okay. on my violin. Very nice. Yeah. Those lovey on Rose in, was, the, um, in the courtyard. Yeah. <laughs> Um, e- either way, so you you and know that you know that he's there, but you don't you, you never really made a plan to meet up. So I guess I'm just curious how you guys end up. Yeah, because I don't know back up again and stuff. So I don't know, know where Pentel, Pentel's house is. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So we probably would go to you. So, so we go to him. Okay. Um, do you knock on the on the front door? Of- yes. <laughs> we make lots of noise as we're walking up to the like, <laughs> they they know, really, really far away. Well well, I guess we're going to see if. Grolo's ready. So I'm gonna I'm gonna leave this up to you, uh, Berto, for you to decide how does how does the door get answered? Oh, the door gets answered uh, almost immediately. 
um, <laughs> by a very tall half orc in a apron. Only. And, well, it's an apron, and you it's kind of hard to tell. I mean, Grillo doesn't wear a lot of clothes else anyway. Grillo <laughs> is wearing other than the apron. So that's that's his. So oh, the wait, wait, is it an assless apron? <laughs> See, you can't tell from your vantage how, point. How many how many aprons do you have that that cover your ass <laughs> as a as an apron? That's, that's exactly. Right. All right, so you 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 make noise, and the door opens. Hey guys, how's it going? Wonderful day to be alive. Oh, I love the morning. Oh, this is so great. How was your night? It was fine. Smelled smelled a bit like cat hair. Come in, have breakfast. I'm cooking a fresh batch of lee pies. You turn around and then we and see I turn around and walk the apron is completely covering you or not. Um, Cruddy is actually dressed. Um, uh, it turns out I am wearing little Grolo somethings, uh, you know, flaps, somethings, yeah, <laughs> uh, in addition to the apron, but it's, it's still, you know, it's still hot out there. <laughs> I'll say. Um, it is warm in the apartment. It kind of looks cold from my perspective. <laughs> you say my ass looks tight? What? <laughs> um, they actually uh, cooked several uh, Lee pies. It actually looks like they prepped for um, the, the, Two of you and, and Nicholas to all come uh, in the morning, right. uh, or at least Cruddy had had some idea that um, that you might be showing up, and so there are uh, several Lee pies that are all set out um, and ready to go. Um, and Cruddy is actually um, taking a couple of, of like tiny Lee pies um, and wrapping them up in bundles. Mm. Um, and she turns to um, the the two of you and Nicholas and says, um, uh, "Grolo tells me that you're headed off." Yes, we are going into uh, the wilderness to try to find those who have been conspiring to do the rituals that almost took your life, ma'am. Well, why are we going into the wilderness, though? Because we saw in the uh, description ritual that it, the marshes are involved, and also Moradin on high has shown me the way. Just as a reminder from the from the game master, you guys also got a logbook and a letter, and the letter described that they needed to deliver the logbook to the marshes oh, okay. in order to demonstrate how many sacrifices had been made. Right, right, right. Um, and so you have you have some idea of of sort of where you're going in the in the marshes, as well as a name uh, to follow, um, which was I'm in the wrong spot. Zog. Um, uh, Zog the Rotten was the guy you killed, oh. uh, but General Kumag Bloodcrusher um, is the the name that you are are following into the marshes. Bloodcrusher. I'll also say the logbook. I don't think I specified this before, but the logbook that you have also has a map. Um, but unfortunately, there's no real names on the map. It's just a hand drawn map inside of the logbook. Um, so it gives you some sort of. Um, uh, uh, landmarks within the marshes that that you can follow, so you have a vague idea of at least where to go. You're not just wandering into marshes blindly, mm. um, but it's uh, it's it's just a, a light lead or a, um, a thin lead, I guess. Okay, so that's where we are going, Cruddy. We're uh, trying to put an end to the conspiracy to kill all of your townsfolk. But why don't we attack? We know there's bad people here. Why don't we attack them? Because their bosses are in the marsh. And if we strike the head, 
the body will fall. Well, yeah, we can hit them in the head. I, I'm, I'm not saying we can't. The I'm head saying. is in the marsh. The head of the organization is in the marsh. Their heads are separated from their bodies? In the marsh. I'm so confused. Um, Cruddy is rolling her eyes uh, really, really hard, uh, but does not stop uh, wrapping up these these little leaf pies. And she actually seems, um, uh, she's like smiling a little bit, and she seems um, quieter than than she was before. Um, and she's sort of letting you all hash this out and letting you all um, discuss this and, and sort of not jumping in or not getting in the way. Well, if we're going into the marshes, we're going to need some food to take with us. Um, at that moment, she hands you a little a little pouch with a little lead pie uh, 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 in a carrying capacity for you to, to take it with. Um, and she says, if you really are going to take care of all these stupid groom worshippers, then I'm all for it. That seems like a worthwhile cause. Um, and I imagine it will only pick up my business in a better fashion. Not a lot of groom worshippers actually like lead pies, unsurprisingly. So, out of character, it... People are emailing about Cruddy and Grolo and the Lee Pies. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and, I know, and I know that half-orcs are illiterate, but just for us literate folks, is it Leap Pies or is it Lee Pies? I, I actually, <laughs> actually want to leave that. I don't, I, I, you know what? Beto, uh, that's, that's up to you. Well, I told you. Yes, but, I know the answer to this because I actually asked this. I mean, who, who, <laughs> after one first, of the even if you could ask him, <laughs> what would you trust of what he could say about it? Maybe Cruddy would know. Is it two words? I don't know, man. Okay. <laughs> I, how do we even know? Because these? I because people email and they'll, they'll, some are like le like L E E and then space pies. Some people are you're spelling it leap like I leapt over you know leap pies. Right. Well, I mean, we should keep in mind that this isn't even like the original word. It's like the the pronounced version of something. Yeah. And so, you know, so it's, it's up for interpretation. Um, <laughs> I, I, I like that a lot. Maybe someday in the future. We do have a defined a defined uh, idea for that. Someday yeah. in the future, I'll answer that question. <laughs> I'll Me- leave that as a fun mystery. Meanwhile, it's spelled like L Y E. I G H. In fact, Unberto, I'm I'm positive it's something along those lines. We'll see. With with some umlauts. And I just want a recipe. Well, I don't care. We're gonna have to get. That's what that's what the the fans should really be focused on. I, make us a recipe for. Levi's. I should say ahead of time. I apologize. These might not be as spicy as you may like them normally because we were running low on spice. We use them all up. Last night. That's right. <laughs> we were hungry. <laughs> All Making right. Making pies. Mid- mid-management awaits. Um, I also, uh, just just as a point of clarification, uh, because it may come up later in, in our game, um, half-orcs and orcs are not illiterate. It is barbarians that are illiterate. Oh. Uh, barbarians are, are um, You're right. a, a sort of job more than anything else. Right. Um, and so it's, it's worthwhile. Uh, Grolo is illiterate because he's a barbarian. Mm. Uh, but um, uh, Cruddy is not illiterate. She, she can totally read and write. And, ah. And, that's right. I forgot. So someone so could ask her maybe how. <laughs> yes, um, she probably and and in fact, Orcish and stuff are are written languages. So you can you can write them and read in them. Yeah, yeah. Um, right. Middle management awaits in the marsh. Uh, with mm. that, um, the 
I guess Grolo finishes getting dressed. Uh, and then all, all of you make your way out the door, and uh, Cruddy leaves you with these things. And then Grolo, she gives you something um, on your way out. Uh, and she says, I know you might not be able to return. Um, but you should. You should return. And when you do, you will bring this back to me. Um, Are you concerned that the path will be blocked? No, I'm concerned that you will die doing oh. something dumb. I have never died before. I don't intend to start now. <laughs> she she pauses a long moment and goes, that actually makes a lot of sense. <laughs> um, but she hands you the book. Um, she hands you the book from that she had read from before, mm. um, from uh, Lorleth. Uh, and she says, oh. I know you cannot read this, but take it and be comforted. It will be like an amulet. It will give me power. Keep it in your bag, not around your neck. Okay. <laughs> um, Thank you. And, uh, and she kind of uh, catches a side eye at Shush and, and Nicholas and Thrain. Uh, and um, as best you can tell, blushes a little and then gives Grolo a kiss on the cheek. <laughs> mm. Thank you, Grolo. Um, and Thank then slams you. the door in his face. Ah. <laughs> Well, you guys won't believe how great of a night I had last night. Let's just keep it to that. All right, let's go. (laughs) No, I mean, we learned about, I learned about stories I didn't know, and I kind of know how to read now. Oh, well, that's fantastic. It's not what I was expecting you were up to. Yeah. Uh, You know, I I mean, I'm not saying I'm, I'm good at reading every word or... Every how do you call the things in between words? But spaces or the other things. But anyways, <laughs> I've started my path to reading. It's great. All right. Well, congratulations. Proud of you. Yeah. Soon you'll be a wizard. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, can I start trying magic? Once you study it. <laughs> yeah, that's how yeah. it works. <laughs> it doesn't do anything. You're on your way. <laughs> Um, so I don't, I don't know if you guys remember, but, um, all of you are officially pronounced dead by the city of Pahita. Um, so, (laughs) um, this isn't actually a problem for leaving the city as nobody really checks your identity as you leave the city. This is more a problem for coming back in. Yeah. Didn't we have those truth machines we had to go through on the way in? Yes. Um, and you all had to get uh, identification cards and you had to sort of go through a whole process. And now that you're all pronounced dead... That might be a different process, and that might be a little bit more challenging. Right. Um, but you can that. you can maybe deal with that on the on the back end. Punt. Uh, <laughs> um, it, for the time being, uh, you're able to leave out actually out, out of the front gate as you are headed east, well northeast into the marshes. Um, the marshes are a couple of days away. Or the, they are a full day travel, and then a couple of days into the marshes to to travel um, in order to get to where you're going. To. Does anybody recognize us as we're leaving town from our amazing? Are you concert? still wearing your Yes, um, uh, if, I am. If you're still wearing your your ponchos, <laughs> I think that's all yes. I had on me at Credis, so I needed to put that on. Um, you only get stopped. It's a it's a really big city, and the that was the last night of the festival, um, and so they're, now they're tearing down all the all the things, and there's not the big crowds kind of in the in the center square anymore or anything like that. But um, you do get stopped once on your way out as you're still wearing these <laughs> these um, ponchos uh, by somebody who is just uh, such a big fan. <laughs> and they are are um, wearing a shirt that they have clearly colored to look like the colors of your of your poncho, oh. um, 
and uh, they look really sheepish, and they they come up to you and they go, "Oh my, oh my God, are are you Moradin?" Oh no! Yes, yes no. we are. Can, can yes. I can I yes, have your autographs? Yes, you may. Oh my gosh! Um, uh, what what are all your names? You guys actually never gave your names when <laughs> when I'm when Paul. Did. Paul, oh, wonderful! And, Wait, and what? Um, I what? guess that makes me John. This, this person's like like shaking. This, I'm is, not... this is Ringo. Wait, uh, what is going on here? Uh, pa- Paul and Ringo, wonderful. No, they're lying to you. What? What? They're lying to me. I'm being lied to by the Mordens. It's not uh, the Mordens. It's Morden, but it's fine. It <laughs> here, I am learning how to write. Hand me this. Stab. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> um, it's it's like a signatures book, um, so you just I you just, just made, stab through several. Pages I just made a couple the... holes. Unfortunately, <laughs> uh, the person seems ecstatic, um, totally happy to to get your signatures. And Nicholas signs signs as well, and, and says like, "Oh, I, I don't know that I've ever." Oh man, I lost Nicholas. Accent. <laughs> <laughs> he says he he he's never had to do that before. Um, and he seems really in his, in his very distinctive voice. In his very distinctive, um, semi-Boston accent. <laughs> Shush is loving this moment. Yeah. And before we go and wander off into the wilderness and kill things, just taking a moment in the city, being loved and adored by the fans. The, the fan, the single fan, <laughs> the single fan, is really valuable to Shush. Um, the fan does ask you when you are performing again. To be announced, uh, keep your ear to the rumors because yeah, we 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 have to go to the marshes first. Join our mailing list. There's a performance in the marshes. No, that is hardcore. <laughs> We're going there to connect with our inspiration, and when we return, then there will be a triumphant concert. You Melt just you just wait. Face off. I'll, I'll write about it to all my newsletter fans. Perfect. Um, do. You do that. And the, the person runs off. Uh, you never got a name. Uh, they were youngish and a halfling. Mm. Uh, that's all you have to go on. Um, but clearly a fan of yours. Yeah. Are you guys really changing your names? No. It's... Sometimes we have to lie, Grillo, in order to oh, protect right. ourselves. I remember. But Shush didn't give me the signal. Pulling on his uh, I will remember <laughs> next time. Sorry. <laughs> um, as you start heading out of the city, because you're heading out of the main gates of the city, you get a chance to see um, the city from another side. Um, the city of Pria is actually a pretty beautiful place. The city is um, largely sort of cornered off in the in the sides of this um, uh, hill land. Um, and there's farmland all outside the city stretching on for, for quite a long distance that really creates a lot of the crops that, that feed a lot of the people in the city. Um, but as you head out of the main gates, you get a chance to see the, the sort of amazing structure that is the, the main walls of this city. Mm. Um, the city of Pekiha was once a, a defended place um, that stood for a long, long time against a lot of uh, onslaught. Um, and although it's backed up against the water, it was well known for a very long time for being um, a really powerful navy and being a really powerful force. Um, for a, a very dangerous place that it, that it was hundreds of years ago. Huh. Um, now those walls are are more decorative, um, but they are still sort of amazingly built, and they're still standing to this day. Um, and the city uses it as a as a way to, to traffic who is coming in and out of the city in a in a much more um, direct fashion. 
Um, so as you as you come out of those main gates, you get a chance to see these these amazing and beautiful walls of the city, and you get to, a chance to see the statues that that sit outside the city, which are were all the previous rulers of the city, each one who who had a statue made of themselves and, and sits on the walls of, on the outside of the city. So let's take a break because I don't know when a natural time will be to do so, but let's do so now. What do you say? Let's sure. do it. All right, we're back from the break. If you haven't become a patron of the podcast yet, do so now. Go to patreon.com. That's how we know you like the podcast. Also, remember, go to gametogrow.org if you want to learn more about Game to Grow. All right, where were we? We were leaving the town. And headed to the marshlands. Um, Everybody, go ahead and roll me a history check about the marshlands. And I think we had revealed some of this information last time, but I want to make sure we're all... Fifteen. Oh, awesome. Eight. Eighteen. Um, so what I'll say is is the three of you and, and Nicholas have never traveled into the marshlands. Part of that is for a really strong reason. It's There's nothing there. Um, the marshlands are largely considered to be uninhabited and very dangerous. Um, the marshlands have a, a um, fog that exists pretty much constantly um, in, the, in that area that makes it very, very hard to find your way out. Mm. Um, the, the fog that exists there basically makes the whole thing a maze or a labyrinth. Um, and because it's marshes, it's generally hard to traverse anyway. Plus, the marshlands are sort of this um, one central area, and they've built a bunch of roads that go all around the marshlands uh, that are much, much easier to traverse. So there's not a lot of reasons to go into the marshland other than to get lost or seek danger, uh, which sometimes people do, and then they often don't return from the marshlands because there are lots of dangerous things that live there. Do they have R-O-U-S's? Um, rodents of unusual size? I don't think they exist. Okay. Um, but, <laughs> uh, but you have heard lots of rumors about various different things in the marshlands. You've heard rumors about um, uh, really dangerous uh, beasts, uh, R-O-U-S's. Yes. You've heard rumors about, um, about ghosts that exist Yeeks. in the marshlands. Um, and it's a worthwhile place to, to stay on your toes for the most part. Um, however, you're going to have to travel a couple of days into the marshlands to get to some of the... Um, based on the map that you're reading, um, in order to actually uh, get to the, the rendezvous point. Um, and it takes you about a day to get there. So the day before you travel into the marshlands, you can camp just outside the marshlands, sort of watching that area. And at, at this point, it's just sort of um, off off the road and uh, mm-hmm. a general foresty area that you are, are in before you enter into the marshes. Do you guys do anything? Uh, you don't have to, but do you do anything for that night as you as you camp before you go into the marshes? Well, we have a watch, of course. We've mm-hmm. been around the block enough to know that we have to stay vil- vigilant. Do you have a standard watch that you do together at this point, or no. is it a? Uh, We've never had around? to with the four of us for sure. Um, um, shush! How about you and I stay up first? I want to hear some music. You want to? I don't think we should be performing music if we're trying to avoid being attacked by monsters. Oh. Okay, how about you whisper some music? I could do that. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Great, and then we'll take second, me and Nicholas. (laughs) That sounds good to me. Um, You guys take watches. Uh, Everybody roll for your watches. Um, Perception checks, if you would. Jesus, Birdo. 17. Nice. Ten for Shush. Fifteen. Fifteen for Fifteen, ten. Uh, I guess I'll roll for Nicholas. 
Um, all right. Um, for the most part, your uh, your watches are all uneventful. Um, but it is a nice moment that um, all of you have that is a peaceful night. Um, something you've not really had a lot of since... Since the tavern. <laughs> uh, right. Basically since, since the tavern. Um, and I think you had a couple of peaceful nights maybe on the boat on the way over. Oh. And then it's been pretty, a, pretty, a lot of hardship all through Pihiha and, and all through, through that whole experience. You guys died, at least on the record books, for, for Pihiha. And you had to face somebody trying to kill you around every turn and getting framed and, uh, and then battling against cults. And, and so this is just a sort of odd counterpoint to that as you, camp for the night in a place where there's no other people um and it's just the four of you sort of sitting in the in the wilderness and listening to the the sounds of wilderness around you um as you drift off to sleep on your various shifts um the next day you start traveling into the into the marshes um and the very first thing that becomes apparent to you is that you don't like traveling through marshes everybody roll me constitution saving throws 22 Okay, 12. Three. Okay. Um, oh, Thrain, you're perfectly fine. Um, the hard part about the marshes is that you're traveling through, like, sticky, muddy, um, wet areas. And there's not really good ways, good paths through anything. So oftentimes you have to get, um, uh, like, knee-deep or, or even sometimes waist-deep, which for Thrain is waist-deep, sometimes chest-deep, uh, into these these marshlands. Um, but I'm imagining, Thrain, you're, you're just sort of powering through, maybe powered by by your god or maybe powered by your dwarven resilience. Uh, but either way, you're, you're powering through this just fine. Uh, but the marshes smell terrible. Um, and they're wet and gross, and it's an awful experience. Um, Shush, you are having a very, very hard time, <laughs> as is Nicholas. I'm in the um, swamps of sadness right now. Uh, yeah, it is, it is like really not a, not a good experience. It's like a combination of the swamps of sadness and the, um, uh, the, what is this, the stinking bog from Labyrinth. Um, it's, it's a little bit of that. Um, Grolo, um, you're also actually not having a great time, uh, going through this and, um, Shush, you and, and Nicholas throw up several times, um, over the course of, of this kind of hike through the swamps, mostly from the smell, um, but also just the grossness of, of the experience. Do we still have leap eyes? Uh, you do. Can I like get the? Because you said it was like wrapped in a cloth, right? Yeah. Can I make it like a face mask? <laughs> yeah. Put it over your face. Breathe, and breathe through a leap eye. Leap eyes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe after the first time you throw up, you you <laughs> kind of strap that around your face to to help counteract some of the marsh smells. Good, provides a really good filter. Yeah. The leap eye does. Yeah. Um, yeah. Dead goat is a wonderful <laughs> yeah. filter. They're well cooked. Come on. <laughs> and lots of spices. Earthy, so earthy, many spices. Earth, your, dirt flavor. Your eyes are watering for. For an entirely different reason now as <laughs> yeah. you're as you're going through the, the swamp um either way it takes you a day and you don't feel like you're making great progress but you do feel like you're very much getting lost um oh. the the map that you have is guiding you and it does have some like clear guiding guiding points there are some areas where it designates like um here's sort of a, a, a lakey marsh um, and you use a lot of those things on the map to, to help guide you. So you know you're headed in the right direction. Um, but frankly, like you could not, you couldn't tell which way was north. You couldn't tell which way was back the way that you came. Uh, there's no markers. Your footprints don't stay because everything is just, uh, gross mud. And so you, as you travel further and further in, uh, you just get a sense for just how easy it would be to, 
never be able to find your way out of this place. Yeah. Should Moradin I be? will guide us. Oh, I'm trudging. Not- I'm trudging along, just oh, going. So. Moradin is giving us the, the direction. Drain, listen to me. Should I be marking some of these like trees somehow? Uh, so we can- if you have to go to the bathroom, go for it. <laughs> no one's gonna. Oh, I mean, like, so we can get our way back. If you want to. All right. So, can I make some markings on the trees? Like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it is. You have to make some pretty heavy markings. Has I would just it, break a branch off or something. Has anybody else been marking the trees? Like with any sort of... Uh, like I would imagine that's not... We're not the first ones to think um, of this idea. Yeah, everybody give me a survival check, actually, to, to see how well you can notice that. Natural 20. Nice. This die is rolling well. 12. 19. So All right. T- so 22. Um, yeah. You guys have noticed there are some broken branches. There are... There are some marks. Um, they're not, they don't look like, uh, with a natural 20, Thrain, you can tell these don't look like they were purposeful broken branches, like somebody broke it off to mark a path. Um, they look like they're broken branches because somebody was trudging through the swamp. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're not helpful for you as guidance, but you can mark your own stuff to, to do that. But, um, but, but someone was going through here. Someone was going through the swamp, and actually, given the number of broken branches and the, and and sort of signs that people had gone through, you suspect a lot of people have come, come through the swamp. I I have an idea. I'm going to tear pieces off my, uh, you know, band outfit. No, no. But it's but, bright. But what if we, we're going back for another show? But it's it'll bright. look more badass if it's sort of tattered. Oh, I and I'm going right. to tie them. You know, up high where I can see them. I'll tear mine a little bit too. <laughs> so we start because so. these are like bright red or something. Oh yeah, right? they're, they're super bright. So we start they're bright like colored, tying little pieces here and there. Perfect. Um, it actually does help. Um, you're able to track just a little bit better your your way in. Uh, you only did it part way, but but um, now you can tell at least the direction that you've come from. <laughs> now I have little, little holes randomly on my. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I imagine you. I imagine show. you didn't like tear up from the bottom in a systematic no, way. I'm it just was just wherever. <laughs> <laughs> like moths got to it. <laughs> um, that'll that'll make it look more more rugged. Yeah. That way. Um, you travel the whole day. Um, and eventually it's starting to get dark. Um, the the light from the marsh still. There's still a light and a dark, even though it's mostly kind of hazy dark most of the day. Um, but you can tell the sun is going down because you're losing light. Um, and as you're you're getting towards the, the later end of the day, it's starting to feel like you really need to camp for the night. Um, everybody roll me a, a survival check to see, to find a good campsite. Five. Sixteen. Eight. Um, all right. Um, I guess I'll roll first. Um, shoosh. Um, you actually do find um, there are sort of like hills that jut out of the um, out of the swampland, and you actually do find a, a like sort of nice grassy knoll hill that seems relatively dry compared to most of the other swampland. Um, it has a, like a tree growing out of the the top of it, so you also have some some canopy to keep you um, cover in case it rains. All right, um, uh, and it seems like as good a place as any um, to to bed down for the night. Uh, I found a great place. Um it's right here. It's got plenty of mud. We can it could, it'll dry a little just bit. Tap we on can, his shoulder and then point at the. the uh, okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, as you set up and you and you set up your watches, are you going to do the same watches again tonight? Yeah, 
Yeah. Perfect. Um, then I want everybody to roll me their perception checks for their watches. Fifteen. Uh, ooh, 20. Nine. Twenty. Um, awesome. Um, and nine. Uh, then you guys um, do the first... You guys were doing first watch? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, you guys do first watch. Um, and Thrain, you you um, and Nicholas are both asleep. Um, and while you're doing your first watch, um, you're hearing a lot of just um, uneasy noises out in the... Out in the um, Sorry, <laughs> I just knocked Adam's mic um, out in the. It's making swamp. me uneasy. <laughs> um, it jumped suddenly. I was like, ah, yeah. well, the tension is high. Yeah, you, <laughs> he really must have been painting a picture because when yeah. that microphone bumped you in the face, you jumped. Out. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'm anticipating something coming from the marshes. I'm like, yeah. I'm totally immersed right now. Awesome. Uh, I'm glad. I'm glad we can paint yeah. that. Yeah. You hear noises coming from the swamp, but they all sort of start to die away, and you find yourself becoming much more relaxed and much more comfortable. Um, finally having some dry land, a chance to dry your socks, to dry your clothes, really seems to be helping you to, to relax from this place a lot, especially when you've been on edge the whole day um, and been having such a hard time traveling through this swamp. And this place, this little grassy knoll, just seems like a peaceful place to, to be able to, to bed down. Um, however, both of you roll me wisdom saving throws. Uh, with disadvantage. Uh, so two and take the lower one? Yeah, uh, yes. Five. A better one would have been 18. Okay, so 10 plus uh, 11. 11. Um, okay. You both start to notice that your relaxation gets the better of you. You've traveled oh. hard for a whole day. Um, and as you start to see the, the swamp sort of muffling the, the uneasy sounds from around it, um, you start to notice yourself fading, fading off just a little bit. Um, Thrain, while you're sleeping, you're having um, deep dreams. <laughs> and actually, as the two of you fade off, the same thing happens to you. Um, you start to go back into parts of your of your childhood into parts of your life the dreams mm. seem vivid um, and they seem to hold you in a in a compelling way it's almost like you're watching parts of your childhood significant moments from your past um, that you are watching from an outside perspective where you're not watching from your own eyes and your own viewpoint as a as a young child but you're seeing yourself as a young child um shush uh you especially um uh, we're gonna we're gonna dive into your role because you rolled the lowest um uh for this shush you um go back into into a childhood moment that shush had what 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 is what is a, a maybe a significant moment in, in shush's life when he was a child or when he was a teenager um shush was trying to get his parents attention a lot mm-hmm. as a kid and his mom would always say shush <laughs> was that did Shush have a lot of siblings or was he no uh, his parents uh, why working, was it that working, he felt like he didn't have working parents oh, okay. worked a lot M- mom worked a lot dad wasn't around um, so like typical D&D character I'm, I've got a troubled childhood yeah right right uh, so mom say shoosh, and then I would go wander around the city. I had a uh, um, this particular time I was like like you know feeling dejected mom doesn't love me my name is Shush and um, the um as I was wandering around, there was uh, sort of a, a, a transient fellow um, playing the violin, and uh, I went over to him, or he, let's say he called me over, um, and I was like, you know, 
what's the worst that could happen? This guy's playing good violin, and I went over and I, I met him. Um, do you remember his name? Yeah, uh, Mayjay. 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 Mm. Yeah. Sounds like a combination of two famous stars marrying each other, like uh, like Angelina. Garjo oh, yeah. or yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah it was, he's a, like a bird, but he only comes out in May. Mm. Um, the Mayjay. The Mayjay. How how well does Shush remember the songs that Mayjay played on the violin? Um, he played nothing but sad songs, hmm. and that was where Shush felt like he like this was the thing that Shush needed was to like figure out how to take whatever his experience was and translate it into uh, some sort of musical experience. Hmm. Um, Shush, is you're you're sort of watching younger self um, from from a, again like a third a third person perspective. You're watching your younger you and seeing yourself from outside of yourself, um, listening to to Mayjay and listening to the the sad songs. Except something seems off. The songs that Mayjay is playing don't seem like the sad songs you remember. Instead, it oh, almost no. sounds like there's a song coming from somewhere else. Like Mayjay puts the the bow to the violin and starts to play, but no music comes out. And instead, you hear music from somewhere else, something playing somewhere else um, that is coming from from you're hearing from somewhere and it's tugging at your at your subconscious it's tugging at your mind like it doesn't sound quite right it sounds peaceful rather than sad um and the peacefulness stands out that's not how you remember the emotion of this experience you remember being sad not at peace grolo what memory do you uh drift into okay um i see a cave do you want me to do this? Thing? No, because it's. I'm just narrating the third. Yeah, person. essentially, like you're yeah. you're watching your yeah. your Grolo. So Grolo sees Grolo a cave, yeah. and standing in front of a cave is young Grolo with a couple of young Grolo's friends, and um, they. This is the cave they would often venture into to see how brave they could be and how far in they could go in the cave. Um, but this time, and Grolo was us- usually the the one that would go the the furthest the deepest but this time as he's in there a huge bear rears up and he runs out and he's terrorized and he can't speak he can't say anything for weeks for a couple weeks like he's kind of shocked into silence um and then one night maybe two or three weeks later he's got this feverish dream and in the feverish dream, this is a little inception here, um, <laughs> he sees uh, a pebble against the dark sky. And the pebble is like in the middle of nowhere in the sky. And the pebble starts rolling and rolling down some sort of celestial hill. And the pebble gets bigger and bigger and bigger and it gains more mass. And it gets so big that it catches fire. And like this fire overtakes the whole world and it becomes like like one of those huge flamey things he sees up in the sky and the next day he went into the cave and he killed the bear so this is a real life experience that Grolo went through yeah it sounds like it it's a memory it's a memory that he had yeah oh okay now, how much of it is exactly right? I don't know. Oh, I see. As is true for... Halfway for, through, I was like, it sounds like a dream, but it's a memory that you have. He's having a dream right now about a memory that he had, including a dream <laughs> he had at the time. And this is when he was young, so, you know. <laughs> I there was see. probably a cave, and there, there probably was some, some, some truth to this. Yeah. 
Um, and uh, uh, Grolo as a as a half orc might have been might have been strong enough to to kill a bear. Right. Um, uh, that is totally a possibility. Uh, Grolo, uh, a similar thing happens to you. you. You go through a lot of these events from from this third person perspective. You're watching young Grolo um, encounter the bear and and struggle with the the fear that he experienced with that. And you're hopping back and forth between. It, it is a memory for you, so it cuts just like a memory does from one thing to another thing. So in one instance you're facing the bear, and in another instance you are back in the in that dream space and watching that that whole the the mm-hmm. pebble turn to fire um, and and then you're back again watching the bear. But once again, you have an odd experience. You start to, um, you hear um, almost a drifting music, and you can't pinpoint where it's coming from. It's coming from somewhere, mm. um, but you can't quite pinpoint it. It almost feels like it's coming from the ground below you. Mm. And as the, the drifting music is coming through, it's a calming uh, um, music that tries to sort of lull you into a calming space, but this is not a calm dream. Right. Uh, these are not calm memories. This is not a, a a thing that you remember being calm for any parts of this. I was traumatized for weeks. Um, and so when when you're the the um, uh, disconnect between the emotional state you have from the memory itself and from the the calming music and the calming experience that you're getting is is um, bothering you even even as you're watching this dreamscape. Mm. Um, Lastly, we'll come to, to Thrain. Thrain, what is the, the dream that you remember? This is a dream I remember? I oh, thought, sorry, a memory. A memory. Okay, uh, from your God. Childhood. I'm yes. like, I thought... Okay. You are in a dream, but it is a memory from your childhood. Right. So I was a child, or a, you know, a, maybe 10 years old, and in my town of Feather Falls, the, the dwarves, uh, their main industry is they carry things up the side. There's a side trail of uh, the falls because you can't really get horses up and mules so the dwarves actually have to climb the essentially the side of the mountain and i as a younger dwarf uh, wanted to be a man and actually or be a male adult dwarf and actually participate in this and so i was trying to carry some stuff up the mountain and i and i was so heavy and it was you know just even 10 percent of the mountain i got real tired and I, w- I thought, I w- oh, this is impossible. I'm going to give up. And then my father, a priest of Moradin himself in the town, said, Moradin will give you strength. And I felt the strength of Moradin in, in my muscles. And I raced up the mountain faster than anybody else. And that's when I knew that Moradin was behind me. Oh. And in support of you. Yeah. Um, that's great. Um, and and again, you're watching younger Thrain uh, uh, carry these these um, uh, rocks up the mountain, and you see the excitement on on younger Thrain's face as he uh, realizes the strength that he can can both gain from Morden, but also the the comfort uh, of having um, uh, Morden behind him uh, and supporting him. Yeah. But again, there's a through line. You're hearing this tune, and the tune seems to be calming, but this. Once again, it was was not a calming memory. It was it was exciting. It was um, thrilling, uh, but certainly wasn't calming. And as you're hearing this music, it's, it seems to be getting louder and louder. And uh, you can hear it's coming from below you. Um, and as you're on a, on, a, on a cliffside, it, it almost sounds like it's coming from from deep, deep below you, like like way down the the, the side of the cliff. Um, but it suffuses the air. You can hear it constantly, and you know this wasn't in your memory. Um, I want everybody to roll me wisdom saving throws, and this time with advantage. Uh, 19. 
I'm glad there was advantage on that. Okay, so 18 or 2. <laughs> I, I got advantage, and I got a 5. Oh, all right. Oh. <laughs> um, uh, I'm going to give this one to Thrain. Thrain, the disconnect from the experience um, uh, really tugs at you. You know there was not a song. There was nothing calming. That was not the experience you were having. Um, and it, it is enough that you start to rip yourself out of the dream space that you were in. Uh, and as you wake yourself back up and come back into consciousness, um, you feel an odd sensation as you are being pulled off the ground uh, by vines that have grabbed onto your arms and your legs and are wrapping around your neck and are slowly pulling you up into the tree above you. Um, and you can see the grass below you um, swaying back and forth even though there is no wind and as the grass below you sways back and forth you can hear that same calming music um, that the grass is playing against itself as it rubs its its leaves um, calming uh, everybody down and you can see next to you also wrapped in vines are Grolo and Shush and Nicholas all totally asleep and being pulled slowly up into the, the tree above you I yell, wake up, you fools. Um, uh, shoosh. Uh, actually, we'll go with yeah. Grolo. Grolo, um, uh, uh, actually, your role was good enough. Yeah. In your dream space, uh, you are in the middle of watching this bear mm-hmm. and watching yourself uh, um, coming in and uh, fighting this bear. And then all of a sudden, the bear, even though it's facing younger Grolo um, and attacking younger Grolo, uh, stops, turns, and looks at you. The older Grolo, the, the one watching. looking at a third perspective from the from the scene, it turns to you and, and says, what was it that you said? Wake again? up, you fools. Um, says, wake <laughs> up, you fools. That's a great scene. Wake uh, up, you fools. Um, uh, and that is, a, that is enough of a disconnect, Grolo. Ah! So you, you um, burst into being awake. Wow! Um, uh, Grolo, do you, you, you see the same scene? Um, and I'm going to say... Uh, Nicholas also wake, is going to wake up from that. Um, shush, the, well, for you, the, the same thing happens. The, the um, uh, um, fiddler uh, suddenly stops mid-song, turns to you, and grabs you by the shoulder and shakes you um, and says, Wake up, you fool! Um, in Thrain's voice? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, um, that, that sort of echoes through your consciousness and suddenly you wake up. Uh, all of you are being held. Um, uh, some of your weapons are laying on the ground below you, um, and you're all being sort of pulled up by these vines um, as you uh, uh, come back into consciousness. Oh, gosh. So can I – I, tr- I want to try to muscle my way out of it. Um, awesome. Give me a strength uh, check. Can I do that too? Mm-hmm. Um, and Shush, you can go ahead and do that. 19. 19. 17. Two. Okay. Um, uh, uh, Grolo, you start to muscle your way out, um, and you notice the harder you resist against these vines, all of a sudden the vines start tightening oh, no. much faster against Whoa! you. Um, and and um, uh, your, your strength is good enough. You start to, you start to sort of pull, mm-hmm. pull vines away, um, but it starts to uh, choke you because it starts Whoa! to pull at your neck. Um, Thrain, the same thing happens for you. You sort of start to struggle against the vines, and they start to tighten and, and pull you up much faster into into the um, top parts of the tree. Thrain, you notice um, as you're starting to be pulled up into the branches of the trees um, that the dark canopy above you was not dark from leaves, but it was dark from bodies. Um, and you start to see several other bodies, some of which are are just skeletal remains, also held by by these vines, uh, tightly clinging to them um, up in the in in the higher branches of these trees. Shush is going to barf again. <laughs> that's uh, that's Shush is going to barf. Oh, okay. 
Um, I can't breathe. I, can I cast a spell? Um, you have to get your hands free to cast a spell. Oh, I don't. Um, my hands aren't free. No, actually, you. you I, th- I think you do. Both those checks were high enough. You, you managed to to like rip rip your arms free. Um, Grolo, you've got uh, your left arm free, and, and Thrain, you've got you've got your right. Um, and it's enough for you to be able to like put your arms together to be able to cast cast your spell. So I pull out my Moradin holy symbol and I command the tree to let go of me. I have no idea if it's going to work, but that's what I cast. So if it's a thing that has a brain, it needs to do a wisdom save. And otherwise, if I I think that works. Okay. So um, uh, let me look up because there's actually a specific word for command. Yeah. Well, it's just a verbal. Actually, I didn't even need my holy symbol. I I was just like drop me. Drop. That's that's the word. Yeah, drop. Um, you you see, so like maybe everybody. Maybe, I just say drop. I guess. Um, I think in this case, I think it's only going to work on you. Okay. Um, uh, the the tree sort of uh, uh, shudders, and the vines kind of shudder um, in response to your spell, and um, the the vines sort of um, loosen their grip, and you fall to the ground. Um, now uh, I don't know seven eight feet below um, Grolo and Shush. But landing on the on the grass, um, which as as you come down and, and sort of land on the grass, the grass stops swaying um, and stops playing the the calming music, um, like sensing your movement as you as you land on top of it. Um, and uh, um, you're now free, Grolo. Um, you you got uh, one arm? have have your one arm free, okay. um, and Shush, you can make another strength check. Can I actually? I know this is um, maybe not the, the opportune time for it. Can I? Can I in my uh, like panic cast hell, hellish rebuke? Uh, yeah. So the flames. I, I think shoot you can. Me. Yeah, you're being attacked. So, so that seems like it makes sense. Uh, yeah. So then the plants have to make a dexterity saving throw and well, take two d ten on a failed <laughs> on a failed <laughs> save. A tree can't get out of the way. Uh, so go ahead and roll me damage. That is uh ten damage. Um, so I'm gonna say because you're in a swamp, um, and the plants are all kind of kind of wet, um, it, it has resistance against that that damage. So the plant's not gonna light on fire, um, but you definitely like burst fire at at this plant, and it does loosen its grip against you, um, and it's gonna give you advantage on your on your strength saving throw to get out. Um, also, I want to know what your hellish rebuke looks like in this kind of situation. Um, well, I can't move my hands around, so it's really just me uh, saying, "Let me go." In a sort of a high pitched panicked voice. <laughs> Let me go! <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I'm going to incorporate in my next song. <laughs> um, I'm breaking into the it's, falsetto. It's inspiration. Yeah. Um, yes. I'm going to write a song about this experience. Uh, it was a 12 strength. Um, okay, that's enough for you to, to sort of start to start to free your arms and, and start to pull at the vines. Uh, Rolo, what? Uh, um, so I'm being choked. So with yeah. my free arm. I just like I dig my fingers into the thing, and I'm trying to like rip it off of, like rip it, not just rip it off of my, but rip it mm-hmm. for the one that's around my neck. Um, awesome! Give me another strength uh, check for that. I think you're going to be successful there. Um, Thirteen. Uh, yeah, that's enough for you to to sort of start tearing away at the uh, the one on your neck. You finally get like a a good uh, gasp of breath <sighs> as it, as it uh, releases <sighs> from your throat. Um, and uh, and you're starting to, to sort of tear away at some of the I think the, underneath you. the more we struggle, it gets tighter. I go to the trunk, and I just start hammering it with my hammer. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, give me a attack roll with your hammer. Uh, um, actually, just roll me damage. The trunk's not hard to hit. Um, it's just... Uh, 
uh, sort of based on how much damage you can do. Uh, and six. Um, okay, you start you start whacking it with your hammer, and it, it does seem to be loosening a little bit. Um, it'll it'll give uh, both these two and Nicholas a advantage on their on their saves to to get out. Um, although Nicholas is still very stuck, uh, Nicholas is also starting to um, turn a little blue in the face um, as he's like s- sort of struggling, but he can't talk. Because uh, he has not done well on any of his uh, strength saves. Um, uh, shush. What do you want to do here? I'm going to keep trying to get out of here, I guess. Okay. You're just going to do some more strength. strength do, I, do I still have advantage? You still have advantage. Okay, yeah. good. That was a critical fail. Oh, here, here it goes. Here it goes. That is, uh, that's a 16. Awesome. Um, that is enough, Shush, with the, with the damage that you did and with, and with, um, Thrain's, uh, bashing on the, on the tree for you to sort of finally rip all the rest of the vines free and, and fall back to the ground. Um, I will, if I can, still in my turn, run over and help him attack the tree trunk. What are you using? My rapier. You're just gonna poke at it? I'm gonna stab it. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever I can do, I thrain, thrain sort of the stab, the, the yeah. compass right stab now. <laughs> stab whatever, whatever it takes. I don't have any more damage doing spells. Cool. So. Give me, give me a, a damage um, for D- your just damage, just damage. You, right. It's not, it's not hard for you to hit a tree trunk. Maybe it's accurately bark, magic bark, or something. <laughs> it's fair. That's something totally like fair. that. You'll find the weak points. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta look very carefully and find the weak points. Uh, that is, uh, three plus two is five. Nice. Okay. Um, uh, that, that definitely will help, um, Stab. a lot. That'll Stab a tree. Uh, Grolo, what, uh, um, are you just going to sort of rip yourself free? Well, so, yeah, so now that I can breathe and that, like, my left arm is already free, I think at this point, since, since when I was trying to, like, wrestle my way out of it, like, it felt like it got tighter, <laughs> I'm going to do this thing where, like, I'm going to try to, like, slink, like, like, relax and get really small. Hmm. to kind of lull it and then i'm going to rip out as hard as i can uh nice i like it a lot um give me a strength saving throw with advantage and the dc's lowered because of all the other stuff that everybody else is doing 13 13 Uh, okay um i I think that's that's totally enough now um as you you sort of like relax your body oh man i'm almost picturing like a uh like a Jedi moment or something. Yeah, you like know that. what it like, is? Is um because I was I was going to say this, but I don't know why I didn't. So, um, in that moment, I'm I'm thinking of Cruddy because I'm like, she said I had to come back alive. You know, I'm like forgetting how the conversation went. And it's like, use <laughs> use the Cruddy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So so I'm like, uh, so I kind of like like you know like that like, yeah relax. Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> that's it's spectacular um uh, it, it, you just you just sort of like um terry cruz style just flex your muscles yes yes, yes. uh and it, it tears all the vines <laughs> around you um and you fall fall to the ground um and actually you guys can see nicholas is, has finally um, gotten one arm free and he's starting to to cut away at the vines although he still um uh, can't breathe but he hasn't lost oh, consciousness a lot yet um uh, but as you're as you're sort of hammering away, uh, do you want to do anything to to help Nicholas? Yes. Um, so I've seen that I, I can see this. Yeah. How high up is he? Uh, he's um, eight feet above you. Oh, so I can jump that. Yeah, you could probably okay. jump up and. So and I basic my goal is to jump up and grab one of the main vines I see holding him, and just like yank all my weight down, uh, like yank it down with all my weight. I just realized I have a dagger. Yeah. So I could hand you the dagger. You could maybe cut it. Oh, yeah. So it's like, 
like I'm, I'm. You see what I'm, I'm looking up. You, you know what I'm. So what? You mm-hmm. tap me or something? Yeah, I, your your hand is open, okay. and I kind of just put the dagger in your hand. Ah, great thinking. And then I <laughs> jump up and pull put, and stab. Put Nicholas out of his misery. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> great thinking. Let me, let me just Goodbye, go. Nicholas. <laughs> I don't <laughs> think that was what I meant. Bro. <laughs> I jump up to grab and stab the the, the biggest vine I can find. <laughs> um, uh, you 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 cut away at the vines. So they they um. Uh, cut no problem now that you have a, a sharp implement to to do so with um, and Nicholas collapses to the ground and he pulls the vine away from his neck and uh, <gasps> and, and takes a huge um, uh, breath in uh, and then coughs and, and sort of like uh, gets his breath back and then he turns to uh, Shush and he goes not the best camping spot <laughs> <laughs> see I told you guys I told you my second choice was in the tree, so <laughs> maybe we, our luck was better this way, maybe. Um, either way, it takes you some time to sort of recover from the experience. And I don't know whether or not your characters would share the dream that they had or the, the experience that they went through um, in that mental space. Sure. Um, but you do have to like sort of pack up your camp. Um, there's no real danger from the tree. It doesn't seem to be attacking you. It, it clearly must work in a symbiotic relationship with the grass um, that puts you to sleep. And then when you're still, the tree sort of reaches down with vines and, and picks you up. We're going to cut this tree down anyway. Oh, you could totally do that. I think. <laughs> That's totally an option. I'm not sure how I'm going to do that with a dagger, but I... We could burn it. Yeah. I hate this tree. It takes you a while to get it on fire because it's... The marsh. Because it's marshes and it's very wet. Um, but yeah, if you want to if you want to burn it, you guys have tools enough to I be able to do that. I hate this tree. I want it to be punished. Yeah. Um, I'm curious what you share about, about your experiences. You don't have to necessarily... If you're, You can just say, my character describes the whole thing. So here's what I would say. I mean, if we're like in the middle of doing... Starting to try to take this tree down, I would probably say something like, um, Ugh, I'm so upset that this thing put me to sleep. And uh, you, you won't even believe what I was dreaming about. And... Uh, it makes me upset because it reminds me of when I was weak. I hate being weak. You had a dream about that? Yeah, it's 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 nothing. It's when I was young and I had a weird dream uh, that I was having in my dream. I it's it's a thing with a, a a rock and a hill and lots of fire and a bear and my friends you know, and there, it's a lot of things that happen to me when I'm kid, when I'm young. Mm. But it's great, and I'm strong and not weak, and that's the important part. It's true. I just tell him my dream. Cool. <laughs> it's weird. I didn't have any dreams. No. Oh. oh, good for you. Well, You're maybe the, the horned types don't have dreams? <sighs> do you ever have dreams? I do have dreams. Uh. Oh. Just not that time. Yeah, it's not this time. Weird, right? You guys both had dreams. Not me. Well, Thrain, you're a very good teller of dreams. <laughs> <laughs> As you uh, pack up the camp and find maybe a better spot um, to rest up, now a little bit more aware of some of the dangers of the swamp, um, you do manage to get a full rest and, and um, get to sleep that night. Um, and then make your way to what is supposed to be this rendezvous point um, the next day. 
Mm-hmm. Um, what you what you have from the map basically just tells you you're, sh- you're supposed to be meeting this general at this clearing. Um, and you make your way to the clearing, and you're clearly there maybe a little bit early. I'm oh, um, sorry, and remind me, this is like th- the subterfuge is that the general doesn't know who they're supposed to be meeting. So that's up to you guys. Um, oh, okay. a- actually, what plan you want to do here, that was going to be my question. Um, you, it, it seems to me like you have a, a couple of different options for, for how you could play this out. Okay. Um, you don't know whether or not the general knows who he's supposed to be meeting. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, you do know that he sent the letter to a person that he knows, but the letter just said to send the, the um, uh, ledger um, the the logbook. It right. didn't say who had to send it or, or anything right, like right. that. Um, Should we pretend to be Groomsh followers? I don't think that Drain will be welcome. He might have a hard time doing that. Uh, for this purposes, I can absolutely do it. There's plenty of dwarfs who converted to Grumsh in Pahija, so I'm guessing true. they won't suspect anything. Mm. The entire town is uh, converted, you know? Yeah. As long as you can say things that you don't mean, just like that thing we were talking about. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So you guys are going to pose as uh, as Groomsh worshippers and then pass off this logbook mm-hmm. to this general. Um, maybe try to get some extra information. Trying to get like information that. before killing them, of course. Yeah. Okay. That sounds good to me. Okay. Um, you can see, uh, so I'm, I'm curious, how do you, do you change how you look in any way? Do you, um, do you, well, I get rid of, I pocket my holy symbol and we pull, you guys have like emblems of Grumsh yourself. Yeah. And Grumsh has one eye, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to put an eye patch on. (laughs) (laughs) Try to fit in, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Cause I'm assuming that's like what they do. It's like a. You know, a Satanist trying to fit in in a Christian church by putting nails through <laughs> through their own arms. Yeah, it's like yeah. stigmata. You just want to like, I just want to fit in. You hey, know? I'm this just trying to. Be a part of it. It, am, are, you know, isn't this what you guys do? <laughs> right. I like actually poked my own eye out. Drain, you write right. Yeah. What if you wrote like, "We love Groomsh." Um. That might go well, but I'm guessing the symbol that you have from the previous, you know, town might actually be convincing enough. And okay. the eye patch. And the eye patch okay. really will And remember it. that Shush has a silver tongue and knows how to... <gasps> and an eye patch. Can I see it? <laughs> oh, it's not really silver. <laughs> but what if you wrote, like, we are not trying to deceive you? I'll think about it. And if it we if it if we get killed this time, we'll definitely do that for next time. Sounds good. Wait a minute. Okay. <laughs> don't see how that's gonna help us, but uh. um, you don't have to wait in the clearing for very long before um, a figure sort of comes up from the other side of the marshes, um, the opposite side from where you came from, um, and the figure is a full orc um, who is standing in a pretty heavy armor and carrying a a large great sword um, uh, at his side, um, and he has almost like a um, like a cape on. Um, and he uh, marches towards you, and he's got two um, slightly smaller uh, half orcs at his at his side. Uh, and he, as he marches in, and, and he sort of looks over the three of you. Um, there's like a long, tense moment uh, where you're not sure whether or not he is looking at you because he knows that something is up, or whether or not he's looking at you because 
Uh, he is waiting for for something. Hail uh, Groomsh. Um, uh, hail Groomsh. Hail Groomsh. Um, and the the general sort of uh, comes forward and he motions for the the two others to stand uh, further back at the edge of the clearing, uh, and he says, "You've come with the logbook." Of course. What about your part of the deal? Um, uh, he gives you like a, a a long look, and he says, "There's no deal." How do I know you're really with Groomsh? Uh, he he looks himself <laughs> over, uh, and he says, "Are you new?" No, he has a silver tongue. It's a metaphor. For what? My tongue is in service of Groomsh, bringing lots of silver to Groomsh's service. I look over at Thrain, kind of... <laughs> I pull my ear. Oh, oh yes, yes. Uh, roll, me, roll me a deception check. God. Roll a, We're the dumbest, like... Roll is a liability. 17. Uh, um, it's clear that this general um, does not know idioms uh, from the culture that you are from and does not know what silver tongue means. Um, Kumag uh, uh, turns to you. He doesn't seem to have much of a sense of humor, um, so he says... Um, the log book. What about it? You are to hand it over to me. Oh. To report your numbers for sacrifices. Have you been doing sacrifices? Of course we've been doing sacrifices, we, just like you. We do lots of sacrifices. Louis sacrifices all day, every day. You're doing sacrifices every day? Almost. Is, look like at the log A lot book. of the, log. You log, know better than A lot than of I sacrifices. How many, how many sacrifices should we have been doing? Let me just look at the book and make sure. <laughs> you, t- you tell me. I'm going to look at it. Um, you tell me. Your schedule was to be maintaining a sacrifice every other day. Exactly. exactly. That's what it says right here. This, uh, what was your name again? Daily. Or Kumag. Kumag. General oh, Kumag. General, you, General Kumag. Awesome. Who, who, uh, what about your friends? Did... did who are they? Uh, the, these are my servants. They uh, they don't need names. Did Zog not explain? Oh, what remind me what Zog said? Zog was we yeah, should, he he said a lot of things to us. I work so hard, so many sacrifices, so much blood gets in my ears. I have sometimes have a hard time. I look over at Thrain and wink like we're doing really great. <laughs> I'm I'm like just waiting. I, I don't want to play this game. <laughs> I just want to pound some heads, but I'm just waiting. Um, uh, Kumag uh, snatches the logbook from your hand. Oh, you, you know, um, not much and, of a silver tongue. He opens like you. it up and he flips through the, the the logs and he says, "Everything is here. You must accompany me back to camp in order to report your logs directly to um, Blancmere himself." Why do we meet here if I'm just going to give the the log yeah. to you and then we're going to walk back together? I think. He, he rolls his eyes and he says, because you're clearly new and you don't know where the camp is. Of course. Remind me, while we're walking there, what did Zod say to you? Did Zog say to me? Yeah, what did Zog, Zog, sorry, I thought he said Zod. Zog, say to you. Is it Zod or Zog? It's, you do not know his name? I, I don't read, I'm too much in service of Groomsh to read. <laughs> Zog the Rotten. Of course, the Rotten. That's Zog. Right. So many Zogs, you know? There's a lot of Zogs. <laughs> <laughs> you know, 
Zog. This guy's about to slit our throats. <laughs> we can take this guy. Come on. If this, so, was a, if this was a movie, this is when the jaunty music would, <laughs> would be playing. <laughs> Benny Hill. <laughs> um, he says, You're all pretty new, huh? Oh, yes. Mm. Uh, what is your favorite groom's passage? Do we remember the ones from the... I remember passages. Yeah, Thrain, I, you, you, actually, know, you actually know some, I just, some passages. From my, we from, both look at Thrain. From my, <laughs> silent, <laughs> from my silence, I just say, you know, Ah, that's yes. right. That's my favorite, too. Strength from the blood of our enemies. Yes. And I look him right in the eye. Yes. That's awesome. Um, uh, he gives you, he gives, Thrain gives you a very long look, and he says, that's my favorite passage as well. <laughs> I especially like how he describes the blood of the enemies. Goes into great detail in that passage. It's really Blood enjoyable. is good. I love blood, too. It's good. It's good. It's great. Passage. You like blood? I love I blood. I love blood. Uh, it's very well. Um, and he motions <laughs> to the two other, to the two other, um, assistants, um, and he says, you must be tired from your journey. Yes. Uh, we got some sleep. Some um, sleep. Uh, allow them to provide you with some, some wineskins. Uh, tonight we celebrate as another tribe has joined our ranks. Um, you shall come. See the true celebration of Groomsh. Hail Groomsh. Before we destroy our enemies. Yes, we will destroy our enemies. Exactly. We? Yes, we will. Exactly. We're destroying our enemies. We're going to destroy our enemies. Are you learning Orcish? Yes. That's a it's a difficult language to learn. It is. Uh, we shall we shall instruct you on further Orcish. You can bring it back to to your church. Uh, I speak Orcish. Oh, wonderful! A brother, a true brother, true brother. Um, and he uh, uh like grasps your hand in a in a handshake, like in uh Predator and Predators. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got you pushing too many. Yeah. <laughs> um, and this guy is. He's big. He's a big guy. Uh, he, he maybe stands a little taller than, than um, uh, Rolo does, and, and maybe a little more muscly. Although, Rolo, you're, you're muscly, too, I and mean, this guy is... But this guy is the Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Mike Carl Weathers. <laughs> yeah. Carl Weathers. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, he turns, and he, and he starts uh, walking, and the, the two other um, half-orcs kind of come up and, and offer you some stuff from their, from their bags, and they have a couple of wineskins, and they also have some, like... Um, uh, jerky, some like smoked meats mm. and stuff like that, and they offer you some of those things. Do you travel along with, or do you want to use this opportunity now that he has turned away to to make an attack? Yeah, because because like my thinking um, is that, and I mean my the Grolo thinking is that take him out in small groups is probably a better thing. <laughs> so I probably look over at Thrain and I go. Like, I wink again, which he might not get why I'm winking again. <laughs> but I go, like, I make a motion with my hands, like, like X, X on the neck, X on the neck. Um, do we seem to be heading on a trail? Um, you can tell the other side of this uh, of this clearing um, does seem to have, like, like you had noticed before, all those broken branches. That seems like tenfold <laughs> in this direction. Um, so it's clear that like they make a lot more trips from wherever they came from to this clearing. 
than they did from clearing to the outside of the the marshlands. Okay. You see, my hand is reaching for my mall, so, so someone better make a decision. So, Thrain, Thrain, as you're sort of weighing your options here, you think it's possible you might be able to to follow the route that they took from wherever their okay. encampment is to to hear back the the other way without their help. So, I I just grab my hammer and I go, "Let's go, time." Yeah. All right, awesome. we're attacking. Uh, then everybody roll me initiative, and you guys have a surprise round. And I'm imagining this is actually going to be a pretty quick. Wait, surprise? Combat. Does that mean I roll with advantage or what? No. Um, uh, surprise round. Get... So you guys are still going to roll initiative as normal. It means that you're all going to get to act in a full round of initiative before the bad guys get to Got act. It. Yeah. So initiative is just whatever number I just rolled. Plus dexterity. Plus mm-hmm. dexterity. Got it. I got a fourteen. Okay. Okay. Fifteen. Nine. All right. Um, Gorlo, um, that makes it your turn. So the two half-orgs, the, the, the general has turned around, uh, and he's sort of walking back um, uh, down uh, toward the edge of the clearing. He's not out of the clearing yet. Um, but the two half-orgs are like, are, like, facing you and handing you this stuff. So they're the ones who are closest to you. Um, Gorlo, what do you want to do? Ah, okay. I see, I see. So... Um so I take, I, sorry, I take it back. I, di- I didn't realize they were facing me, so I would have would have been too conspicuous to go grabbing for my mall. Hmm. But in either case, I was intenting. I was looking at Thrain intenting. So now that I see that we're, that this is on, and they're both standing in front of me, am I bigger than them? Um, uh, from the other half orcs, yeah, I would say you you okay. maybe are a little bigger than they are. Okay, then what? Then I do a. Um, I want to knock their heads together. <laughs> I, you know, like reach up my right. hands and go, bam, Andre the Giant style. Awesome. <laughs> can, can we? Can this happen as soon as he says the the big guy says something like, "Yeah, we're gonna slaughter our enemies," and then like I say, "Yeah, we're sl- we'll slaughter our enemies," and like we wink back, <laughs> yeah. have a moment, and then we just go like sure. guitar he, chord. He like Wah! turns around, holding the log, and he uh, and he he uh, he says, "Come with me. We will slaughter our enemies." As he's like oh, turn, turning yeah. and facing away, I like yeah. that a lot. I love that scene. <laughs> um. Uh, perfect. Then um, give me a. Ooh, how are we going to resolve this? I think I'm going to make it um, an attack roll, um, and I'll just let you, in this case, make two attacks. No, uh, I'm going to make it one attack roll for you to sort of grab their heads and, and bash them together. Okay, so I just roll and then add strength or something. Mm-hmm. Eeks. Oh and and your proficiency. And there's no there's um, no uh, advantage here. That's no good. <laughs> <laughs> there's no advantage. <gasps> What'd you, what'd you roll? I a, think a one. Oh, it's an automatic fail. You can't do anything. Uh, Grillo, ah! <laughs> you go. You, oh you go to grab these two guys' heads to uh-huh. like bash them together in this epic moment. As as like um, oh, you're saying. Oh, like, okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. I think I know why this is happening. You know how earlier it helped me to remember Freddy? <laughs> yeah. As I'm as I'm like I get all excited by these guys winking at me and all of a sudden like I get a little too excited from the memory of last night or the whatever the night before was with Cruddy. So then as I go to do this, I'm like I, I that's all I can picture in my head is Cruddy. Yeah. <laughs> so you just give him like a gentle caress on the cheek. I don't you tell me what happens, but um you you, you um put your hands up, up to them and rather than it being like a, an aggressive motions where your hands like leap up and you bash their heads together, it does come out like a little slower oh, than no. you were intending and like a little calmer. And, it, and and both the two other half orcs like look at you with like an odd expression as it looks like you're going up for a hug. And so both of them like 
shrug and then like go in for a hug <laughs> along with you so they both like come in you get like a big hug big group hug with the and two others just <laughs> oh. um, so now you're hugging them okay. I, I, I'm looking at Grolo pulling my ear up, like <laughs> that's not what I meant you can stop pretending now hopefully I snap out of it in my next turn <laughs> perfect that makes it choose just turn oh, he has God. sex one time <laughs> Oh God! Um, so is the the big guys facing away from us? Uh, yeah, and, and, then, these guys, and because you haven't alerted them in any way, because all you're doing is giving these them. These guys a hug are now like their heads are in my armpits. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh God! I don't know what to do here. This is awkward because I can totally thunder wave them, but not if they're in in that. Yeah, it's gonna be hard to thunder wave the two smaller right guys. There. With yeah. The, um. My rapier attack is really not not much of a combatant, you guys. Um, I'm going to uh, just use my um, bardic inspiration to inspire Grolo. Okay. That's to be my turn. Okay. So well, the, on his next uh, capacity to interact, he will do something more. And the good news is I do have him close up now. Maybe You do. Uh, I mean, you're, you're effectively we'll like already grappling time. them, so, so it might uh, lead to, depending on what you want to do, it might lead to a, some kind of advantage on, we'll on your next thing. Uh, sh- uh, uh, that makes it uh, Thrain's turn. Okay, I run up to the general, and I touch him with inflict wounds. Um, and I say, you know, Moradin rips your flesh. Nice. And I probably hit with something like a 19. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, oh yeah. Uh, I'll actually give you advantage on the attack because you've, you've got sort of a surprise on this. Just in case you crit. Okay. Oh, in case I crit. Which I did not. I critical failed the second roll, but <laughs> for oh my god, twenty nine damage. Nice. Oh, That's that awesome. is one off from max damage. Yeah, oh that is gosh. the polar that opposite of what Grolo just did. Yeah, <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I'm a lover, not a fighter. <laughs> he's not down, but he is way badly hurt um he is that is a, a tremendous amount of damage this was your hammer like no it's just no, my just, just touched just oh. moradin's strength coursing through the evilness what that does is, it look like when that happened yeah I'm curious it's on that it's white light from the heavens that just courses through his veins oh. and rips his flesh apart oh um, uh, he does uh, collapse down to down to a, um, one knee as you as you do this, and, and he like just is getting torn apart by the the light uh, streaming from the the heavens above him, um, and he cries out in in pain as that, as that happens as well, um, alerting the other two uh, orcs to what's going on. However. <laughs> Because you had a surprise round, that immediately makes it Grillo's turn again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So, so because you did Bardic Inspiration. If, if this works, it'd be awesome because it's like you hug them <laughs> to lull them into a thing. And then, <laughs> and then I will forever claim this was the plan all along. Okay, so because you did Bardic Inspiration, does that mean I get advantage or what does that mean? It means when you roll your d20, you can roll a d6 and then add that d6 to your awesome. d20 roll. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. Here we go. So what are you doing? Oh, oh, right, right. So, so, uh, having recovered from my momentary <laughs> lapse of reason and seeing what, um, Thrain has just done, I immediately realized that we were about to have two unhappy huggers. <laughs> so I just go in for the squeeze. <laughs> awesome. And at the very least, to hold them in place while someone rapiers the hell out of them or something. So I'm just going to squeeze their heads. Um, awesome. We'll make this a strength check. Okay. Um, which you can do um, 
uh, as you're as you're holding them. And I will say, since you're already holding them, I will give you advantage on that as well. Okay. Um, uh, and then we'll we'll have you roll some damage for that okay. as you're as you're squeezing them. So, 12, but they will be restrained. Four, seven. Okay. So twelve. Do I? Do yeah. This? You can choose to use it if you want to. You can oh, use right. it whenever you want. Yeah. Oh, okay. so you can, it'll last for a while, but. So, 12 plus 5 is 17. So, yeah, so you probably don't 17. need it. 17. It is versus their strength. Yeah. Um, so I will let you know that um, it would be helpful um, for you to use that in okay. this case. 17 plus 4. That's enough. All right. Um, one of them rolled high enough that he would have been able to, to muscle out of okay. it. Uh, but with what, the Bardic what, Inspiration. What kind of Bardic Inspiration song was yeah. it for Gorilla? Yeah. Um, I think I didn't want to, like, give away the game yet. So it was, like, sort of a tense, like, <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's just enough for me to go high. Yeah. Just like, like a high G. Yeah. <laughs> Until I get that nice, like, uh, hair blowing. Oh, actually, actually, oh, it's, actually. It's, it's the lead into <laughs> the song. It's and, like the. And I start doing a. <laughs> and I start doing a, a sympathetic vibration with my voice, you know. <laughs> Yeah, it's perfect. It is. It is um, money for nothing. It's deleted yeah. for money for nothing. <laughs> okay, so twenty-one. And so, do I roll a, a, a damage? Now? Uh, yeah. So go ahead and give me. I guess we'll make it one d six damage plus your strength. Um, but they are also now restrained. Okay. Um, so they won't be able to move out, out of your grip, um, which will also give anybody else uh, advantage on their attacks against them. one per person or just one. Uh, we'll just do one and we'll, okay. we'll do it so uh, nine. Okay, awesome. wow, uh, you are you are crushing them. Yeah, uh, they are they are like like um you you were <laughs> hugging them and now you are now you are the vines them. gave they, me inspiration. They seem very very surprised by this turn of events. <laughs> oh, that um, sounds so cruel. They were like, oh, okay, well, hug them. <laughs> oh, hug, oh. <laughs> I guess why not? <laughs> you learned something from the tree. Uh, yeah, yes, exactly. clearly. Um, shush, that makes it your turn. Uh, all right, the game's up now. Um, I'm going to give another Bardic Inspiration to Grolo. Oh, nice. Um, so you get the D6 again. And then I will get my um, my dagger, and I'm going to go ahead and uh, right between ribs two and three on the guy on Grolo's right. Okay, cool. Um, give me an attack roll and do it with advantage because you uh, because he is restrained. Well, that's not terrible. Um, so I rolled a 10. And with my bonus of four, that's a 14. Is that enough? Yeah, that's enough to hit this Awesome. Guy. That's with my dagger, so it's not a great not a great roll, but that'll do, I guess. So that is um, three damage. Um, awesome. <laughs> I'm doing it, you guys. <laughs> pook, pook, pook. <laughs> um, While still playing the intro to Money for Nothing. I want my I actually I actually think that's enough to finish that guy off. Enough You just you just get dig dig it in there. Enough money for nothing. It cuts into the Man, what a way to go. Such a good, such a good. <laughs> well, you know, he... Hey, you, you live <laughs> he by the sword, you die by the hug. <laughs> <laughs> um, that does make it the other guy's turn, so he's going to try to struggle out of okay. uh, um, the grip that you have, Grillo. Give me another strength uh, check. Uh, this is vers- versus his strength. He did not roll very well, though. I did not roll. Nine. Nine. 
uh that's enough he, okay. he he's like uh, struggling against you he's smaller than you and he's okay. not as strong as you and and uh, uh he's like struggling to to do it he does pull out a dagger but um he spends most of his time trying to struggle out of it okay. so he doesn't get a chance to do to do the attack with it um and that makes it the general's turn the general turns around and draws his um great sword and he's just gonna swing it at you um train bring it um <laughs> bring the pain he actually is gonna swing oh god uh, a, a couple of attacks against you um, as he just flails in, in your direction. Uh, what's your armor class, Thrain? 18. Uh, he o- is only going to hit... He makes three attacks against you. He only hits with one. Oh, um, three attacks. Wow. Uh, and he does, with that one, he does um, 10 damage to you. Oof. Um, as he as he like climbs off your armor, but he seems really weakened by the the initial attack that, that you gave, um, and he's still like struggling to to even stand up um, where he is. Uh, but he he says traitor um, and and drives in with his with his great sword as he as he um, slams it against you, um, and he even says um, you'll not take me down with your dumb dwarf magic. Um, as, as he uh, uh, swings words. his sword against you, and one of them finally catches you in the shoulder um, as it cuts deep from its uh, from Oof. its great sword. Thrain, that makes it your turn. It's not magic; it is Moradin's glory. And I try to hit him, and I might miss a twelve. I'm guessing he has higher AC. He does have higher AC, so oh. twelve's not going to hit him. So I miss. Oh no! Um, uh, this is stressful. You, you you swing at him, and this time he's a, he's a little faster on the uptake, um, and he dodges out of the way, um, dancing backwards, um, finally getting maybe back on his feet more than, than oh, uh, you were expecting him to, especially such a large figure. Um, Grolo, that makes it your turn. Okay, okay. So here's what's happening. I just happy as heck that like Shush got this guy, and I can feel him slump right because he's like mm-hmm. dying basically. So so. I'm about to concentrate on the other dude, but I see I see um, Thrain's by himself with this huge dude. So I actually like let go. Actually, I, I let go of the other dude mm-hmm. and start running to attack um, the bad guy. Okay, the one that you were holding will get a free attack on you, okay. uh, but just with a dagger. So. Okay, because um, that's all he's holding. Uh-huh. Um, he does not hit with his. Free oh, okay, attack. okay, okay, okay. So he goes. He goes so in. He, he kind of makes makes a swipe at you as you uh-huh. as you get away, but he's like still trying to catch his breath okay. back. And so uh-huh. I make a beeline for what's the bad guy's name? Um, General General Zod. No, um, General <laughs> Kneel before Zod. General Bebo uh, Kumag 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 Bloodcrush Kumag. So I make a beeline for Kumag. Can I reach him? In oh yeah, he's, he's not close he's enough. Not that far, yeah. Okay. And uh, this time I do, like, in one of my little Rolo, hopefully not missed motions, I do the epic, like, you know, hand comes down to the mall, mall comes out, and in one sweeping arc with one hand on top of it, I swing it down on him as hard as I can. Probably, the, yeah, like, what part is exposed, like, to me? Is it his uh, back? He, he does not. Uh, no. Like, meaning, uh, is he facing away from me? He's facing you, although his focus is on... Okay, yeah, is so, on, just like, so you could, like, reach over top of Thrain. I just come right down on his chest, basically. That's like, bam! Nice. Uh, give me an attack roll um, uh, against the, the general, and remember that you have bardic inspiration if you need it. Right. Okay. Ooh. 19 plus 5. 19 plus 5? Yeah, yeah You're dude. definitely going to hit. 24. <laughs> roll me damage. Okay. 24 and... 
And the bardic uh, inspiration will last 10 minutes. 2d6 plus 3. Okay. 5. 7. Okay, so 10. That's enough to finish him off? Whoa! <laughs> um, so, uh, just to describe the exchange, he, like, focuses his attacks coming in hard on, on Thrain, uh, and, and uh, um, having some banter back and forth between him and Thrain, and then all of a sudden, Grolo, you come out from, from right behind Thrain. Right. And I come right behind, swinging the maul of truth. <laughs> and, like... Oh, you know what I do? As I'm doing that, I look over at Thrain and wink again. <laughs> <laughs> and then the mall just comes down. And like, there's these, because he's got armor, right? Mm-hmm. So like, these sparks go up and it hits so hard that like the sparks kind of catch a bit of fire. And for a moment, I'm like, I'm like reminded of my dream. But like, but then the, the fire gives way to like broken armor and, and a collapsing creature awesome he he falls to the ground uh lifeless um that does leave the last remaining guy um turns seeing that his general uh has fallen before him uh he's gonna turn and run into the marshes um shush uh if this guy gets away uh he will absolutely alert the the whatever other forces or or other people to your presence here um what do you want to do? Um, I want to. You, you can have a full turn here, not just a reaction. Yeah, I want to cast Tasha's hideous laughter on him. Um, okay. To make him fall prone. Uh, cool. What's your DC? Um, my DC. I don't know where that is in D and D Beyond. It's your charisma plus your proficiency. What's your charisma? I don't P- have a plus, plus eight. Oh, that's right there. oh, there it is. My safety C is thirteen. Um, he does not succeed. Awesome. I'm going to just look at him and I'm going to go, Hail Groomsh! <laughs> <laughs> uh, he turns back to you and in, in like, um, you see like a uh, terrifying fear in his eyes. Uh, and he uh, collapses to the ground laughing hysterically. Oh my God. Um, and once again, Tasha's Hideous laughter is not like a, it's not like a fun, like, ha 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 kind of laughter. It's like a, it's like a really ugly forced oh. laughter that's being forced upon the, the oh target that's gosh. experiencing it. Let's so. tie him up and zone of truth him. Okay. Um, yeah, you you have the opportunity to do so. Cool. Um, uh, you you tie him up as he is um, as he's laughing. Oh, actually, I guess I should give. Hmm. Could knock him unconscious. In that yeah. Time. Do you want to knock him unconscious? Otherwise, he, he's totally going to try to kill himself. Oh God! Yeah. Oh. Knock him out. Yeah. Um, uh, in fact, he uh, resists the Tasha's. Um, and then pulls out his knife and then tries to stab himself in the chest before you you like knock him out, uh, stopping him right at, right mid moment as he's as he's pulling out his knife. Cool. Yeah, these groomshites are serious. Me- meanwhile, I'm standing over the the de- the collapsed body and I'm going, "Who loves blood now, huh?" <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we'll make that the end of the <laughs> the, the campaign. That's a good place to end. <laughs> That's epic. Um, perfect. So, uh, with, with that, we'll do our traditional checkout of a spotlight that you have for, for somebody else in today's game and, uh, and then bring it to a close. Um, who wants to give the first spotlight? Uh, well, I liked it when Umberto and Adam were trying to play the trickster role (laughs) with, um, 
with that guy because you know it's it's funny because for me it's like i take games like this so seriously and so if i was it's it'd be hard for me to be playful with it (laughs) and as you were going into it like for me it was like oh that's right this is a this is for fun (laughs) and so it became fun and then uh, you know it was just some kind of but it wasn't like super goofy it was you know like we're trying but we're also not like we're also kind of screwing this up kind of but it's not terrible and i'm guessing for you adam it was like well we'll see what happens maybe adam the dm will decide that this works and maybe it won't work yeah but it's just on the edge (laughs) it's just kind of more entertaining and more playful so i i really like that um i i uh your story uh the shusha's story uh was really interesting because it was so vulnerable and very telling that he couldn't like really tell us about it afterwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Rolo would have described the whole thing if he could, if he had the narrative ability to do so. Um, so he wasn't like like embarrassed about it or something. He was more angry at himself for ever having been weak. But in, in Shusha's case, you had like this this uh, thing that was actually the inspiration for you to become who you are, and yet yeah. you're deeply embarrassed about it. Yeah, and deeply like you don't want to talk about it, and that was really. Uh, well told and, and and adds a fascinating layer. I thought. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Um, my spotlight is uh, um, I liked the 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 way that you were playing Grolo as like sort of in love with. Oh yeah. And, like, playing <laughs> like kept getting in the way. Of- <laughs> yeah. Playing playing that that well, critical fail as like yeah. uh, here, here's why I was critical <laughs> failing. It's like it was a nice like I didn't just do it bad. I like did it bad because I was like cruddy. Oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it kind of makes sense. This guy's like you know. Been pretty moved by this experience. Yeah, that makes sense. I liked how you built the put the story into the critical fail. <laughs> yeah, and listeners out there, I'm still waiting for someone who can draw one of these oh, right. scenes. <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be pretty amazing. Yeah, I might have to make my own stab at it. Yeah, even if it's a really cruddy drawing, if a you cruddy will. drawing. Ah. <laughs> even if it's just a cruddy drawing, please make a cruddy drawing <laughs> for Grolo to have in his wallet. <laughs> above his bed um, perfect well I'll give a spotlight to all of you guys for coming up with some awesome flashback memory sequences for your for your character's child, childhood so those are those are great rich moments to continue to dig into for deepening your character and deepening your understanding of who your character is Thrain's, uh, Thrain's reminded me of uh, the Shaolin Temple in like you know the 30s 4th chamber or whatever that movie is because like yeah, they had to run the water up the the mountain, mm. you know, they had to go down to the river, collect the water, all the way back up. <clears throat> so in my head, I was picturing little Shaolin monk uh, Thrain. <laughs> well, it, a version of that actually happened to me when I was a kid. I was uh, really tired. I was like three or four. It's mm. one of my earliest memories. Oh, wow. And uh, with my family's encouragement, I managed to run up the mountain. It's a longer story than that, but sure. that's where I got the inspiration from. That's, that's great. great. So we talk a lot about um, how you can't put things into your character without it being a part of who you are. Um, and it's really, really extra spectacular when you can point to the specific thing that was that was your personal inspiration for the yeah. thing that you put into your character. So that's great. Whoa. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you noticed, but it wasn't like I had to think about that story too much. You that's know? interesting. So, Well, actually, I, I was wondering because... So, uh, because you were going, uh, when we were talking, you're like, wait, were these dreams or not? I was thinking that maybe you, you hadn't had enough time. And so then when you started telling it, 
and you already had it fully formed. I'm like, wait, that was quick. Because <laughs> I wrote it down when you asked me. Mm-hmm. And mine, I don't think was, well, it might be. It might be some deep-rooted thing. But I actually was trying to think, what kind of experience would have been sort of important enough to Grolo to remember and something to do with him overcoming his fear. But then, you know, that kind of thing seemed like the thing. But I don't know, like, I, I didn't really have a cave or a, you know, so maybe really symbolically it's there. But so that makes sense that in your case, you just drew from what you knew and it came naturally. And it popped into my head at the last moment. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I had other kind of vague things that I had decided earlier, but then yeah. that one just popped in my head. Mine sort of fell together because we were talking about car stereos. <laughs> and I have this memory of driving in San Antonio where I grew up um, listening to Tool. Oh. In my car stereo, when it was raining and there was like a lightning storm, which was pretty awesome, oh, awesome. and cinematic. And the lead singer of Tool is Maynard James Keenan, so May J was totally Maynard. Uh, oh my named, gosh, named after, I should have realized. <laughs> named after Maynard James Keenan from Tool. Yeah, who was Why I listened to a lot when I in my own. We just. Sober. Oh. Is that exactly like the song? That's, that's really exactly, good. That's really good. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So, Mayj, that makes sense. Yep. Just picture animated meat going across the ground. <laughs> so, you, both of nice yours were were, were, uh, were inspired by memories in mm-hmm. real life. That's so, um, one of the the sort of just aspects of of the projective technique for characters is. Um, you pick things because they represent things in a specific way. So, for instance, in this case for Grolo, um, you uh, needed Grolo to have to overcome uh, a thing. That was a part of, of the, the sort of plot story of, of that moment of reflecting for, for Grolo's childhood. But the thing that you picked for him to fight against was a bear. And so some amount of that is is based on your experiences and based yeah. on your understanding of the world and the understanding of, of what would be a challenge for Grillo or what would yep. be something that, that he would struggle with. And so a lot of that as a projective technique is you picked a bear as opposed to a jaguar. Um, or you picked a mm. uh, uh, an environment um, like the cave as opposed to a jungle or, or a cliff. Right. Um, uh, all of those things are, are um, to some extent, sort of unconscious opportunities to project your things into into who Grillo is. That makes a ton of sense. So so the the couple connections I could make, uh, one is I picked the cave because uh, reading Plato's cave in college made a huge uh, impact in my life. Um, and I've used I've used that imagery so much in so many different contexts. So to me, the, as soon as I started writing, I literally, the first thing I wrote was the cave, period. <laughs> now I'm going to figure out what the hell. You know, the <laughs> yeah. And then the second thing was, you're right that Bear actually kind of, well, for two reasons. One is, I grew up in Bogota. And in Bogota, Colombia, it's, you know, Colombia it has all sorts of jungles and, and weird, you know, deadly rivers and things. But Bogota is not that. Bogota is... Like, you've been to Bogota. There's no deadly insects or animals there. The most you'll get is a mosquito bite, and it's not even a dengue mosquito or anything. Mm -hmm. So I didn't grow around dangerous nature. But I do, like, when I think of things from my childhood um, that were, like, generally things that would have been scary to imagine, a big, black, angry bear would have been one of those. Mm -hmm. Say, as opposed to, like you were saying, like a snake even. Like, snakes, I, I bet you, you know... For most of, of chimpanzees, snakes would be the main thing, right? Mm-hmm. And for me, just the bear. And then the other thing is it had to be big enough. 
like in my mind, the thing was this had to be a dream where, or sorry, this had to be an experience where um, he blamed himself for being scared, even though it's totally unfair for him to feel that way, right? Mm-hmm. But if it had been something more, um, I don't know, like not about size and strength, then it wouldn't have been such a direct correlation for him. So that's kind of why I picked that. But I do think th- the cave is the one that I think was the most direct re- Like I, I like that story, the Plato's Cave, and so that's the first thing that came to mind. Sure. And Plato's Cave is all about an allegory of understanding a larger world around that's you. Right. So, and it's a very dreamlike scene that they mm-hmm. inhabit. I wrote my undergrad thesis about Plato's Cave. <gasps> We've never talked about this. It's what? like one of my gotta, favorite my so, favorite series. We're gonna eat hot sauce and talk we about gotta Plato. Eat hot sauce. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta eat hot sauce and talk about the cave. Okay. Perfect. We gotta go into a cave and eat hot sauce and hope the bear shows up. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, with that, I think we can uh, close up D&D for the day um, and make that our ending point that we'll jump into when we when we return back for our next session. Yeah, and I want to commend Adam Johns for doing another excellent job as, as a DM. Thank you so much. Very gripping, very interesting. For D&D players and Dungeon Masters out there, if you just sort of broke down the D&D aspects of this particular adventure session it's not particularly interesting right if you just break down the the basics in fact a lot of players would be like that's all you did like that's (laughs) there's not enough treasure and spells and death and dragons but the way that adam johns plays the game and tells a story you you're pulled into the world and and it makes us not like a mechanical thing, like oh, okay, there's a random encounter with a tree that we have to do deal with. When, but it feels <laughs> like a rat. <laughs> feels like a real thing. Another part of it that makes it kind of feel more interesting, I suppose, and this maybe is a tip for DMs who want to do this sort of uh, therapy, is that you're not actually. I'm guessing. To, correct me if I'm wrong. That tree doesn't ex- and that grass doesn't exist in the monster manual, right? Oh no, yeah, it does not. Actually, I pulled those from inspiration from a book I read as a child. Right, and the way that you ran the rules of that grass and tree doesn't actually follow the Dungeons and Dragons rule book, but it made it so much more lyrical and story based rather than like, okay, uh, plus five, plus five, this, and what's, you know, what do you do when you get grappled? And, you know, it made it so much more like, okay, we're in a space now where it's like anything could really happen. It's just like, what's the story here? Totally. And, uh, you know, and again, like how, you know, in a previous episode, I had thrown, I think I threw my mall or something, and you're like, well, that's not actually, not during our playtime, but afterwards you explained, that's not actually a thing you could technically do. But we were, And so today I felt more comfortable saying, I'm just going to grab these two heads and knock them together. <laughs> yeah. And I had trust that, well, maybe it's not going to do as much damage or something, but you're going to let me roll with it literally <laughs> and figuratively. So I, I think that that's really flexible, fluid, and it makes for... I actually feel more empowered to focus more on what my character is going to say, what my character is going to learn or not learn, those kinds of things. Rather than like, okay, what's the optimal rule-based... Uh, right. A rope, the, that size rope can't handle that much stress if it's not wet. And if it's like, I don't know, dude. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you think about movies and books and stories, it always plays around with this kind of thing. Like, you know, a, a big guy, a brute that just takes two heads and smashes them <laughs> together would absolutely be something that would be 
in a story, and the author isn't going to go like, well, that's not as good as if you stabbed him with this. You know, it's like you got to make it cinematic, and, and it's so much more interesting. It also lent itself so well for a fail. I guess, yeah. you know, like if I had tried to st- – not that these are both valid, but you know, if I'm trying to wield my weapon and I fail, and like I think one time it flew off my hand and stuff, that that's funny too. But it was also really funny that in this case, we found a very comedic way to turn my one into something that was a fail. But you know, it was like um, there's this thing called beautiful oops. Have you ever heard of this concept? No. So um, I think there's a whole book about it. So, you know, you're a kid and you're drawing on the piece of paper and all of a sudden, ah, your hand slips and it makes this line. And a lot of kids or even adults will freak out, right? Like, oh, I ruined my thing. Now I hate art and I'm going to tear up the page. So the beautiful oops is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why don't you see how you can turn this into a beautiful thing? And so maybe because it was this little arc, you think, oh, maybe that's like a, a whale's spout you know spouting out water so i'm going to turn this thing here into a whale and then oh like even a rip like the paper ripped and you're like and the water actually is ripping the page apart something like this and then by the end you look at it like oh wow that's beautiful that's a beautiful oops <laughs> and the same the same is kind of like the yes and thing with improv and all these kinds of things um so instead of instead of the one turning into this like okay dead end i just screwed that up it like furthers the story along and that's really possible because you're being a flexible uh, damn. Yeah, I really see it more about um, pulling the story together, um, and it's about telling a story as a as a group, um, and that's that should always be the precedent and the focus um, for for us as a group. And so, if it's something that your character could do, then your character should try to do it and should should have the opportunity to try to do it, and and the mechanics should be assistant to that, not getting in the way of it. Well, thanks for joining us out there. If you listen, if you're listening thus far, then I'm guessing you're a Dungeons and Dragons fan, or at least a fan of of Grolo and Cruddy, and I <laughs> and I commend you for that. So uh, we'll probably have a lot more of these to come. So tune in, and on the website there's a page with all of these in a row. And so if you're looking for a, just one one stop shop for all these episodes, then go to our website psychologyinseattle.com. Thanks for joining us out there. Please take care of yourself because... You deserve it! 